When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. On the latest episode of BCC The Other Side, actress and comedic performer Tara Copeland returns for an out there discussion about the spirit realm, Disneyland, and dirty magazines found in sheds? Plus... Tara plays Bullshit or Believe It for the first time ever. To join the other side, go to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Everybody, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Woo. Michael McMillan. Uh, with me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. Uh, Bryce, before we started recording, Bryce and I were talking about steve martin's performance in little shop of horrors oh chef's as, kiss Mwah. as the mm-hmm. dentist and while we were waiting to load the room i rewatched it and now i'm in a singing mood <laughs> <laughs> you're maladjusted <laughs> oh, I mean, I, mama. <laughs> actually uh he that, that that's actually an appropriate song for what we're going to talk about for the chunk of this episode, because, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, being in a, a, under the mercy of a sadistic uh, operator yeah. Yeah. or surgeon yeah. is kind of what we're going to be getting into yeah. in this episode. They only wish it was Steve Martin dressed oh, as Elvis God. Presley. <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> guys, can you believe we are wrapping up our very first month of Wet Hot Alien Summer 2 Summer Abduction? Wow. Where does the time go? I never want it to end. I know. Well, guess what? It's not going to for two 
more months, baby. And I already mentioned this, but boy, oh boy, uh, we're, you know, all summer long, we're doing stories of the extraterrestrial variety here on the main feed and creeping over into the Patreon, the other BCC, the other side. This is where it really begins. We're going to get into some thick, sweaty, armpit stink of the alien world today uh i'm excited i'm scared i'm confused i think this episode uh is going to baffle some people i think it's going to upset some people (laughs) yeah yeah as bobcat goldthwaite often says this is the one they're going to remember us for oh wow we'll see i don't know now we've set it up too much uh but (laughs) but it is it is uh our fourth annual 4th of July special this week, and we are doing a deep dive episode today that relates to a U.S. president in some way, per our patriotic tradition. Uh, No guest this week, it's just your boys. Uh, You guys have been asking for more deep dive episodes, and you've got one. Hold on, here's my patriotic uh, tradition. Yeah! That's a tasty, tasty non-alcoholic Budweiser (laughs) Uh, to steal a phrase from Tom Sharpling's best show Chiku baby Um, baby. but that's the sound that that the beer opening makes Uh, I've got I've got myself a little savvy B I'm gonna enjoy if you guys smoke them if you got them grill a burger and kick back and listen to this one if you got them Riley why are you crying Oh no, Bryce is crying because he Uh-oh. ain't got him. Oh, he wants to was... smoke him. <laughs> no, I'm I'm well provisioned with crispy boys and uh, yeah. whatever else we may. Bryce, <laughs> you don't need to smoke any pot. You're already naturally yeah. lubed with too much yeah. DMT hey, in that pineal that's gland true. of yours. That's true. You are just I, I, flying. That's true. Okay. Well, I walk the line. You know. Yeah, uh, oh, we haven't we haven't done it. We haven't done a deep dive uh, since the Yeti two parter. Um, no. And this is a story that we teased a couple months back. Originally, we thought about kicking off Wet Hot Alien Summer Two Summer Abduction with this one, but Bryce and I quickly realized that it would be better suited for a deep dive episode. Yeah. So it's no going to be a one parter, but it's gonna get it's me. It's yeah. a meaty one. Um, also, before we get into Clubhouse business, it is June. It's the end of June. We mentioned this on our uh, Instagram, but I did want to wish a happy pride to all of our LGBTQQIAAP plus listeners, baby. <laughs> wow. Thank they you. They should petition for Thank you, guys. Uh, we love you and we thank you. They should petition for a new anagram, don't you think? Or it's getting long, but yeah. you know what? I like that it's inclusive. You yeah. know, what if they just go back to gay? They're like, you know what? We're just going <laughs> to go back to gay. Uh, it's no, no longer shorthand at this point. It's yeah. not, guys. <laughs> this is the whole thing with our with our our club scouts of all timelines. It's not just one thing. Uh, the L G B T T Q Q I A A P plus community reminds us that nice. reality is non-binary. Hey, it's no, not just true. black. And white. It's not just vanilla and chocolate. It's everything in between. Guys, 31 flavors figured this out. Okay, Baskin Robbins (laughs) figured this out in the 80s. Ages ago. Do you want to be behind Baskin Robbins in terms of the way you look at the universe? Hundo P, I do. No, no, you don't want to be behind it. That you, no, no, you, you, I get oh. what you mean, Mike. No, I'm I'm confused. (laughs) No, that's the thing. Sip of my beer. 
Guys, no, it's we the... want to be ahead of, yeah. of that. Oh, okay. Yes. okay. All the flavors. Right. You got to taste yes, all the flavors. You know I want to be behind Baskin Robbins. Oh, you yeah. get behind them. Yeah. But you don't want to be you trailing be behind trailing them. Trailing in their oh. footsteps. Oh, God. Let's move on. <laughs> We're really, really nailing this. Uh... <laughs> I Listen, not my fault. I explained it perfect. No, you did. You did a great job. You did the whole thing twice. All right on. Perfect. Um, all right, all Club, Sc- Club Scouts of all timelines. We love you. And you have a safe home here. Okay. Uh, let's get a little clubhouse business. All right. So listen. I was out of town for a few weeks. I'm back in LA where I belong. Uh, and I want to know, Bryce, Riley, when are we watching and digitizing the Club Bryce VHS that was discovered in Bryce's attic a few weeks ago? Where are we? Where what's happening with the Club Bryce VHS, Bryce? Uh, let me do you're gonna have to unplug that that beautiful little VHS machine of yours. I think we need to bring it over to Riley's, the yeah. old school clubhouse, throw down the uh the old projector screen and just fucking watch some club B. I, I have, it. I'm going to make you guys sad and our listeners sad. I had plans because originally we were going to record. This was going to be our first episode back in the clubhouse. Couldn't happen for, for re- reasons out, outside of our control, I but I was going to, I was going to bring the VCR and a T on a flat screen TV. <laughs> I was going to pull it out of my office and bring it over in case we couldn't hook it up to the projection screen and have you bring that tape so we could watch it. But I'm telling you, that is the first order of business when we are back together, hopefully in two weeks. Uh, uh, And I say two weeks because Clubhouse Busy, Busy Biz, next week there will be no new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club. It's our summer week off. We take it every year. Don't get upset with us. But there will be something dropping on the feed for you a little special treat treat. so don't worry it's 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 something old that's new again i'm just gonna say that is that a good tease Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. i think so or it's something from the patreon if we drop the ball but i think it's gonna be something old that's new we'll see how much time yeah we'll see how that goes um Okay, gang, support the show by subscribing to BCC The Other Side. For $5 a month, you get three to five bonus episodes every month that you can listen to on your favorite podcast app or however you're listening to this show right now. The Other Side is the parallel dimension of the BCC with full-length episodes you can only listen to exclusively when you join the Patreon. And if you're good with content but you want to show us a little love, support the show over at Buy Me a Coffee the link to which you can find in our link tree on our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and our Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. And finally, you can always support the show by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now remember, we made a deal with y'all at the beginning of the summer. If we get 1,000 five-star reviews, we will record the BCC Jet Ski Special. And Mm -hmm. if we get 1,000 Patreon subscribers before the end of the summer, Bryce will ride one of those jet skis naked. Happily, joyfully, erectily. I already know the opening <laughs> shot of that video, which Bri- I'm going to direct. Oh, Riley's going to film. So many times in my mind, but yes, you can direct. Yeah, I'll DP Riley. You. Well, well right. it's going to be a co-direction, obviously. But I mean, Riley. I'll do that P. You know what I'm saying? You've, you've got the yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I at least have one suggestion for one opening shot. Um, oh no, you're directing. This is all you. Okay, take, take fair it, enough. Take it and ride. Yeah, we'll uh, get you a chair with your name on it. 
<laughs> like a big cone you can shout into. Could you imagine uh, if we had chairbacks made that say <laughs> right, our Bryce. names with BCC Jet Ski Special underneath? Guys, oh, come on. I know the stuff. water's cold there, Bryce, but I'm going to need you to disrobe now. <laughs> All right, let's yes. do this, people. The time is burning here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna crank cameras. You know? Yes, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have an old school megaphone that looks like a dunce cap. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear a beret, and I'm gonna grow a little pencil thin mustache, <laughs> and we are going to Wizard of Oz territory, baby. There's gonna Bryce, be, baby, are you ready, baby? Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to become a big star? I'm gonna work Bryce so hard he's gonna hang himself on the set of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> what? I'm riding a jet ski nude. That better not be hard work. If you turn nude jet ski riding into hard work, we're done. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, That's true. I forgot. This is supposed to be a reward. Um, okay, guys, if you do write us a five-star review, we might read it on the air like this one that Bryce is going to read for you right now. This is from Chris K. Paranormal up north and on a boat. I don't really believe a lot of stuff these guys believe in, but that's okay. BCC is still a great listen, especially when I'm taking road trips up to northern Michigan with my brother Jimmy with the boat. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much, man. Oh, yeah, it's Jimmy's brother. Five stars. Five (laughs) stars. Yeah, Jimmy. We know... J- Jimmy, Jimmy K with the boat. He was one of our very first L Files uh, listeners that wrote in. Jimmy supported us uh, from the early days of the podcast and over on the Patreon. Um, so thanks, Jimmy. And thanks, Chris, for writing in because I have a feeling Jimmy put you up to it. So we appreciate <laughs> it. That's the kind of initiative we want to see. It. Get your brothers, get your sisters, get your mom, get your grandmas to give us a five-star review. We are at 717 five-star reviews, guys. This is within reach. We can do this. We can make this happen. We can make this happen. We're going to make this happen. We will make it happen. There we go. Yes. And I want to thank, we want to thank all of you who have written in with the review. Uh kisses all right uh patreon by the way speaking of kisses we're still just over halfway there let's make this happen i was listening to a podcast the other day guys and their patreon had over 900 subscribers within like a matter of days okay okay you can do this for us all right let's do this together you get something out of it you get basically twice as much show it really is. It's so much show oh, over there. It's we're crazy. Working so hard for you that Bryce is upset at me all the time. You guys, mm, fairly regular. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but you know what? <laughs> we're creating something beautiful, and uh, and it lives for you over there on the yeah. other side. Yeah, it's true. All You're right, really good at, at at like just annoying us enough to keep the show alive, though. I really, <laughs> I really will give you that. This is the little nudges where you're like, "You're gonna do," and I'm like, "I know." Yep. <laughs> Guys, turns out being a showrunner a sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys make make it fun and easy. I'll say that. All right, guys, let's get into the episode, shall we? We're going to get into this giant story for today. But before we do that, Riley, get ready, because Bryce has brought in some... BCC News! 
That's right. You guys have probably already heard about the Pentagon UFO report that's splashing over every nudie news media outlet. (laughs) You started with a cum allegory and you finished with a cum (laughs) allegory. (laughs) It's like a pop-up on Pornhub. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'd love to read you a New York Times article with a headline like, U.S. has no explanation for unidentified objects and stops short of ruling out aliens. Seeing as how I don't have a subscription, I'll be reading from CNET. Here we go. Um, Guys, Pentagon UFO report, UAP threatened flight safety lack a single explanation, as reported by Eric Mack. Pilots have recorded 11 near misses with unidentified aerial phenomena, according to a U.S. intelligence report. The Pentagon UFO report finally landed, and it reveals that all those sightings of bizarre flying things over the years fall into several categories and require more study and remain largely unexplained and unidentified. Now, it's important to remember, going off book here a little bit, that this is the unclassified report. There's also a classified report that was issued uh, to those in um, the offices. But anyway, quote, the limited amount of high quality reporting <laughs> on I- unidentified the, the office, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP, reads the summary of a report posted online by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence shortly before 2 p.m. on Friday. Quote, there are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. UAP closely pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security, the summary says. According to the nine-page document, each report of UAP would probably fall into one of five potential explanatory categories, airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, USG or U.S. industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all other bin. Yeah, a few of those categories led the report authors to highlight potential concerns. I'm going to stop reading there, but, you know, uh, some of those single <laughs> Only the most important UF story, UFO story to come out all year. I'm going to stop yeah. there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean. You like, get the point. You get the point, right? It's it's not the big explosive fucking UFO report we were all hoping for. No, what have I mean, we they been lo- saying? Guys, listen to your BCC boys. What have we been saying all yeah. year long? It's not going to blow our minds. Well, if you even just go under the airborne clutter category, it says these objects includes birds, balloons, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, or airborne debris like plastic bags that muddle a scene and affect an operator's ability to identify true targets such as enemy aircraft. So we have, they're saying, uh, servicemen and women who operate million-dollar pieces of machinery and a fucking plastic bag gets in the way of their targeting systems. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I call it bullshit. Uh, and of I, course... I, I'm alarmed at the amount of airborne <laughs> clutter in the sky. So that yeah, might yeah, be a bigger yeah. issue than... It's like, like, yeah. like recreational... When they say recreational man-made vehicles, I'm just picturing like that old-timey guy on like the flying bicycle that the, bicycle. With the leather wings that flap like Leonardo totally. da Vinci. Hello, boys. <laughs> right. I hope I didn't confuse your targeting system. I'm not a UFO. I'm just an old-timey guy with a knack for building stuff. Plastic bag dispenser. Plastic bag dispenser coming through. Well, I might as well read the other category, and it says, although most of the UAP described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or 
challenges to collection processing or analysis, we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on. So say we need more scientific knowledge uh, to analyze and characterize some of them. Yeah, we duh, bring in Jacques Vallée, you son of a yeah, bitch. I mean, basically, it's like, come on. <laughs> I like on. how angry you guys are about this. <sighs> it's bullshit, <laughs> Riley. It's goddamn bullshit. Passionate. It is. It is. It's the uh, most disappointing space thing since The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Here's the... Hey, I still <laughs> like... I like that you movie. Am <laughs> I open to the can of worms here? <laughs> Look, would I have done it differently? Yes. Would Anakin have been more like Han Solo? Or and Bryce like Johnson. A, 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 yeah, a, yeah, we would have been Bryce Johnson. in episode yeah. one? Yes, yes, yes. You should be like a fucking oh hot God. rod racer. There should have been a love triangle between him and Padney and Obi-Wan. I could get into all of I should have known that would have derailed the conversation. Yeah, you should have seen you know how I played that role high on mushrooms i was amazing God, oh we need to uh, recreate you that. Were, bryce wait a minute did you think you were gonna get cast as anakin in episode one because i think we figured out why you didn't get the role because he was a nine-year-old boy <laughs> oh oh right right no yeah you're right i got mistaken oh god oh jeez. we should well, shoot that actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe i played that nine-year-old boy too in my head i don't know uh, uh well let's follow uh, up that Go well, ahead, wait, wait 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 no yeah, no, no we're yeah. not done talking about this yet because i because riley and i texted about this riley what was your take when you read the because i read the report i think bryce did you read the actual document yeah word for word yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um riley what was your what was your takeaway we're talking about i say to you it was just like exactly what i was expecting like just and also it was like it was i read that like it was like on the toilet it was like a pamphlet that was this is the disclosure report it was like a few pages a few sentences right. I, I don't know it just uh it just was exactly what i was expecting just not much of anything just kind of a non-committal like yeah there's stuff who knows pretty weird huh like that's like you i know, i, I think I, I think we're gonna live in this era for a few years where at, before the government would say Ah, it's swamp gas, or people are seeing stuff, or we don't have any UFOs. And now they're just admitting, sure, they're they're there, but they're just they're gonna say they're there without saying what they are. Because which is here's what the they thing, did, yeah. Which is what they did. And also, I think that's the fucking truth. I really do. Maybe, maybe yeah. there maybe there is a small, tiny elite group of fucking cigarette smoking men in the Pentagon that fucking know all about the alien greys and know all about the Pleiadians and know all about, all, all about the mantoids. Maybe all that paranoid shit is actually true. I, 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 but I tend to think, uh, at least when it comes to the people doing these reports is, Hey, we don't know what these are and that's where we're at. So I'm kind part of me is like, yay. Welcome to where yeah, we should point. all be. That makes sense. Yeah. Welcome to where we should all be, which is, this shit's flying around. Maybe it's a, in, they even said in the report it's possible. They sort of acknowledged the thing that I thought was kind of cool in the reports. They did acknowledge that there are secret weapons and pro- programs in the military that they even wouldn't know about because they even mm. there's a section where they they were like could be some uh, test stuff that uh, the military is doing that we don't know about, but or China or Russia or whoever. Um, and even with all the air clutter and all this other stuff, there's still like, what was it, like 118 or something around there yeah, uh, instances where they're like, we can't explain it. We can't we can't explain it. And I think that just we're now going to live in a few decade period, I think, um, where we're just going to be we're going to be living in an age where the government is shrugging their shoulders and saying, we don't know. 
you know, so you're shooting for like 2050. Is that what yeah, you're I don't, saying? I, I, I don't know. I just think that I think if you look at where we were for the past 50 years, it was the government being like, there's no such thing. Now they're like, OK, there are, but we don't know what they are. So uh, are we looking at another half century of that? Yeah, you know, right. 50 years now, they'll they'll admit that aliens wear coveralls. Right. I mean, see, that's the thing is you want to get a report where you're like, and the carrot men who abducted uh, Calvin Parker, you know, like you want that kind of stuff. But they're just not coming up with those sort of details, at least not in the declassified version. But guess what? They're saying something's up there and we don't know what they what it is. And that is a that's really nothing's changed since 2017 when we got this Pentagon report. You know, but that's good, a good place to live in, I guess. Agreed. Another well, step. Yeah, small step. It's Baby validating steps. for Baby ufologists. Steps. It is. It's still validating for nerds like us. And because right. they're not alike, telling us we're crazy. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it was like basically an official report that said like, well, maybe you dumb nerds aren't crazy. Yeah. And then like, that's that's what we get. Yep, and, yep, but yep, that's, yep, like, yep. you know. And they're not threatening military pensions for reporting this stuff, which is also nice. Like they were back during Roswell or threatening to bury little girls in the desert. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they've lightened up a little bit, I guess. That's progress. Yeah. Yeah. Progress. Well, moving on from that, I got some more good news. Uh, Guys, remember that book Devolution by Max Brooks? Oh, we only talk about it every week. Yeah. Well, the Hollywood (laughs) Reporter. says and reports that Max Brooks' Bigfoot horror thriller Devolution finds its director with an exclusive. James Ashcroft, who made a splash with Sundance horror flick Coming Home in the Dark, has been Mm. tapped to direct Legendary Entertainment's adaptation. Who's going to write it? uh, I don't know. Max Brooks? Uh, James cool. Ashcroft, the Maori Kiwi actor turned director who made a splash with his horror flick Coming Home in the Dark, has signed on to direct Evolution, Legendary's adaptation of the Bigfoot horror novel written by World War Z author Max Brooks. Ashcroft will also polish the script with his writing partner, Eli Kent. Mm. With Devolution, Legendary is hoping to make horror piece that has something to say about the state of humanity when the veneer of civility is stripped away and nature takes over. The story sees a tech-focused green community in the deep forests of Washington State that is left isolated by a natural disaster. The social structure rapidly disintegrates as the members contend first with being cut off from the modern world and then with a pack of mysterious predators who turn out to be Sasquatch creatures. The book, published in 2020, told the story via the journals of town resident Kate Holland. And I'll stop there. Even though yeah, and we dis- we read and discussed this book over on the other side. So check out that episode and check out that book. It's a great fucking book. So I'm going to be real... excited for that fucking movie. I'll tell you. Me what. too. Yeah, I want to check will... out this other Ashcroft film too and see. Right. see what yeah, this guy's got. <laughs> I was just looking it up. It looks pretty good. Um, cool. Well, that's all fun news. Lots of lots of good stuff to look forward to. I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, boys, should we take a quick break? And when we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Let's do it. I got to get another one of these non-alkies. I'm ready to go. I'm pour myself some more Savvy <laughs> B and all let's right. do this. Road pop. Ow! Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. 
Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Time for high strangeness. Oh boy, I tell you what, Bryce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we get into these things. Yep. And uh, you know, Roswell last summer really, really took over my life. Sure. This didn't take over my life quite in the same way, but boy, has it been living in my brain. Yeah. Uh, for the past couple weeks. Um. I, Michael, this this one is what you'd call a doozy. <laughs> Whoa! The government's calling. Oh, Goddamn man. government! They want they their like secrets their, back. They didn't like what I said about their report. Fuck them. They want their fucking secrets back. Um, declined. Nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely declined. The government's like, did Bryce just put us? I only rang twice, and I think I'm pretty sure I declined. <laughs> Did he send me to VM? Um, we are the government. It's fucked up. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I was so I was I, as I said I was uh, I was out of town. I was uh, I was in the Midwest, and I drove I drove there and back, and I was staying in a hotel in Grand Junction, Colorado, on the way back with Violet, and there was a moment. Where I had been reading the book that we're going to get into, the story that we're going to talk about, and I was like, you know what? Usually alien abduction stuff scares me, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay (laughs) this time. And then I was staying in a fucking hotel, and I couldn't sleep because I just kept waiting for Alien Grays to phase through the fucking window and come get me. <laughs> because this story... Waiting for that flash of bright light. This story is going to just tell you if the Linda Napolitano story about the woman abducted from her high-rise you know, New York City apartment... Nothing. You're not safe anywhere from the grays they can get you you don't have to be in a rural area you don't have to be camping you can be in the busiest fucking place you can be in a giant can't hide on your toilet no there's nowhere to run if the grays want you they They will come get you they're gonna get you all right let's get into this riley let's cue up a little mood (laughs) music. here we go it's time for this year's 4th of July special High Strangeness Deep Dive. The Hotel Del Coronado, also known as The Dell or Hotel Dell, was built in 1988. It is a beautiful, massive beachfront. Did I say 1988? Great. Yeah, we're all we're already off. We're already off to Amityville level mistakes. So this is good. <laughs> it was built in 1888. Yes, absolutely. It is a beautiful, massive beachfront hotel in the city of Coronado. Uh, the city of Coronado. Just across the San Diego Bay in San Diego, California. It is one of the few surviving examples of an American architectural genre. The Wooden Victorian Beach Resort. Now, I'm going to make a little note here. Bryce, 
you found it was a Victorian beach resort in your research because I found it was the uh, Queen Anne architectural style. So we oh. have some conflict. Oh, interesting. Okay. But it looks Victorian. It's yeah. classically, you know, it's Pollyanna-ish. It's, it's, uh, it's the second largest wooden structure in the United States. It's famous for its wedding cake trim and red-roofed turrets. If you've ever seen the movie Some Like It Hot, the 1959 comedy classic by Billy Wilder, starring Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, and Marilyn Monroe, the Del Coronado was the location where they filmed that movie. Huh. Um, have you guys not seen uh, Some Like It Hot? No. No. I have seen that. No. Oh, boy. No. That is a huge oversight. Classic, Classic movie. Check it out. Um, it was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1977 and has been host to presidents and European royalty for over its 125-year period. Now, Coronado Island, where the hotel is located, is just off the shores of San Diego, accessible by bridge. It was established in 1885, and along with being a destination for beachside tourists... Coronado is also host to the U.S. military, specifically the Naval Air Station North Island. Mm -hmm. And neither the island or the hotel would be complete, and I would add, or an alien abduction story, without its very own ghost story. This one is about a heartbroken specter who haunts her old room at the hotel and the wing it's located in. A ghost by the name of Katie Morgan. As the story goes, a beautiful 24-year-old woman named Kate Morgan checked into room 302. Today, it's room 3327, if you're ever headed there, on Thanksgiving Day 1892. Just days later, on November 29th, Kate's lifeless body was found on the hotel staircase leading to the beach with a gunshot wound to her head. Of interesting note, to me, while conducting research for the book we are about to discuss, the researcher and her son Brent would check into the infamous Morgan Room, and a waiter at the Shearwater Restaurant informed them that the entire wing where Katie's room is located was sealed and off-limits to guests due to the high volume of disturbances, and was only just recently opened up again prior to their arrival. Now, according to the book, Beautiful Stranger, the Ghost of Kate Morgan and the Hotel Del Coronado, a young Kate was apparently suffering from an incurable stomach cancer, but was also rumored to be pregnant. She was unhappily married to a degenerate gambler named Thomas E. Morgan, and when she checked into the hotel, she was alone, suffering with what can only be surmised as a deep and unabiding depression Kate Morgan shot herself in the head on that fateful Thanksgiving visit in 1892, a decision she may have regretted in her forthcoming afterlife. And this is an explanation that some true crime sleuths consider to be dissatisfying because the person who said that she committed suicide was the coroner, but the body was just there. And some people think she might have been married. Mm-hmm. There's always more to the story, mm-hmm. isn't there? But you know what, Michael? Spooky specters are not what we're here to discuss about this fabled hotel. No. Mm-hmm. This is wet, hot alien abduction. It's wet, hot alien summer, too. <laughs> summer abduction. And we're here to discuss something way crazier than haunted hallways, buddy. We're here to discuss what is considered by those in the know, that's us, to be the one 
to be one of the only mass abductions ever recorded in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Oh, and seeing as how it's our Independence Day special, what if we were to tell you that a president of the United States was even there for it? This what? is the Coronado mass abduction event. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and we bring up the Kate Morgan story because so often, as we've talked about in the past, whenever there's alien activity, mm-hmm, there tends mm-hmm. to be paranormal activity. That's right. right? You know that's right. And you kind of wonder, uh, is the story kind of makes you wonder, like, is it the hotel? Is it uh, because you'll find out you'll see that actually most of the abductions didn't actually take place at the hotel itself. But so is it the island? Is it is there something about this place that attracts this type of energy? We don't know. But it's just another little moment where we go, hey, uh, a location where uh, this mass abduction took place. Also, uh, it's got some paranormal activity. And yeah. and San Diego in general, uh, just to riff a little bit, lots of old haunted places. The Whaley oh, yeah. House is an old town just a few miles away, one of the most haunted houses in America. That's the area that we've talked about where, like, literally you can walk. The, they paved sidewalks over the graves in Old Town. Mm. Um, there's a <laughs> bunch a bad of... Move. Yeah, a bunch of places in the gas lamp or gaslight district in in san diego that are haunted so just a spooky san diego has got a lot of haunted history just in general so i'm not surprised that a weird event like this one took place there you know riley this is relatively one of the most untalked about unknown events of abduction ever have you ever heard anything about the coronado mass abduction no never Mm. heard of it and wow. I'm excited to hear of it. Well, you're in for it's crazy treat. that I haven't. Uh, <clears throat> sounds uh, quite compelling. Well, we're going to render that. We're going to get into it. Uh, I know, because we always check in with Riley, and sometimes he's got an opinion on before we get into these deep dives. But uh, yeah, this is Totally one cold on this one. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cold. And there's actually, there's not even like a Wikipedia page about it. Yeah. All right. So we had to is, go. We had to go straight to the source for this, this one. This is fresh. So here wow. we go. On the weekend of March 26th and 27th, 1994, a UFO convention called the Triad Research Conference Foundation, financed by real estate mogul, paranormal enthusiast, and BCC icon Robert Bigelow. What? what, what? <laughs> the man who once owned Sky, uh, S- uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Uh, took place at the famed Hotel Del Coronado. The weekend event was a much-anticipated gathering of UFO enthusiasts, speakers, and experts in the field of ufology and featured one keynote speaker, not just one, but one one of note, keynote speaker Yvonne Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, according to her bio, Yvonne is the author of Chosen, Recollections of UFO Abductions Through Hypnotherapy. So she's a lot like Bud Hopkins, who we covered last week. She yes. is into hypnoregression. She went to she went to college for hypnoregression. Um, she's been practicing regression hypnosis since 1991, helping victims of past trauma, including veterans, victims of abuse, and of course, possible alien abductees. 
She has lectured at national and international conferences with notable speakers such as David Jacobs, John Mack, Bud Hopkins. Uh, and she's appeared on numerous television and radio programs to discuss her work with abductees. In 2013, Smith launched Ciro International Close Encounters Resource Organization, which features keynote speakers and is focused to educate the general public on the realities of human-alien interaction. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can almost hear what a lot of you are thinking. A mass abduction at a UFO conference? That's convenient. Well, look, we're going to get into it and show you why this took place. And and I think you're going to be intrigued. Now, the Triad Research Conference went off seemingly without a hitch. Only there was one small problem. Members of Yvonne's group attending the convention all had the unshakable feeling that something sinister had occurred in the privacy of their hotel rooms over the weekend. It was only when a member by the name of Alice, mustered up enough courage to reach out to Yvonne several months later that clandestine events started to unravel and blocked memories were revealed. You see, even though Alice and her roommate Lacey, her brother Jack and his wife Melanie, their friends Mike and Gina, Gary, Jesse, John, Melinda, Don, and Sam all experienced what they knew as the key markers of a possible alien abduction scenario, it would take months, years even, for the victims to realize something had indeed happened, that they were taken against their will, transported through a beam of light on board to some type of craft, probed, prodded, and even implanted with some type of biochip, and then gently sent back to their hotel beds screen memories in place um real quick real-time correction Ciro, the uh, uh close encounters resource 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 organization <laughs> was actually founded in 1991 which makes a lot more sense when i read 2013 bryce i think that was your research i went wait a minute that doesn't add up it was founded in 1991 uh, and that's important because the story that follows is compiled from multiple regression sessions of Ciro members, 12 in all, who claim to have experienced this shared abduction over the weekend of March 26th and 27th, 1994. Now, most of them, I believe, go by pseudonyms in the book, with the exception of Mike Evans. Alice, for example, is a woman named Nancy Stoller, and Lacey, who we'll talk about, so her real name is Lori Angelone. Uh, but so we're you're gonna just s- outing them now. Yeah, you're well, really no, that's, it covered. It's, it's already out there. It's already out <laughs> oh, okay, there. Okay, okay. But I'm just saying. So some people might look this up and go, "Why did they call Nancy Alice, and why did they call?" Because yeah. this book that we're getting into uh, uh, was published a number of years ago. And I think in the intervening time, some of these people have come out, but we're going to stick with the names as they are presented in the pages of Yvonne Smith's book, Coronado, the president, the secret service and alien abductions. Now that's a, uh, you can read their accounts in much, much greater detail there. You know, whenever Yvonne seems to be regressing one of the individual's, uh, which is, I think is interesting, is they try their best to recall these screened memories. They almost always seem to encounter a painful headache. Uh, quote, Yvonne says, I've witnessed this type of control on several cases where the subject cries out, I'm not supposed to remember, or I'm not supposed to tell you. So yeah. uh, 
That's something that they all sort of dealt with and had in common were these these painful headaches blocking these memories. That's right. And the story that we're going to get into, like I said, we've gone through the book. We read the book. We compiled this all kind of like we did with Roswell. We're trying to combine kind of kind of trying to do a little bit of a timeline. Now, we'll jump around a little bit of in this timeline. But we're talking, you know, 400 pages of transcripts of regressions. And sometimes the first regression will be, I remember this detail. And then and then they come back and they remember a little bit more and a little bit more. And she does them in the book all individually. And mm-hmm. where we could, we try to cross over and cross-reference and try to give you guys, the listener, and Riley just a better, just more of a cohesive sense of what happened. The book also gets into a lot of their past past histories. And one thing I want to say up front, we don't get into a lot of their past abduction history. We'll touch upon it a little bit, but just know that every one of these people has been being claimed to have been abducted by aliens since they were basically kids or teenagers. Yeah. Some of them didn't even realize the extent to which they had been abducted by aliens until they started going in for these Coronado sessions with Yvonne. And the, the the also crazy thing about all of this is that Yvonne Smith, the author, was at this event. And she hung out with all of these people. And it wasn't until after this whole weekend ended, like Bryce mentioned, that this one particular uh, member of Ciro, Alice, came to her and said, you know, we all kind of talked about it a little bit, but something fucked up happened that weekend yeah it was like and, somebody farted in an elevator nobody wanted to claim it you yeah know? and the and one surprising detail that i discovered that i don't think has been talked about and i don't know why i obsessed with timelines like this I, I i don't know but i did it with roswell i thought this was just one mass abduction that took place over the course of one night during this weekend it's actually multiple nights over the weekend where these people were being abducted and we're going to get into that and i think that sort of even the book doesn't really spell that out in a way that i think should have you know Mm, what i mean it's very subtle but i think that's big it's big to know that this was like this was a three night event basically (laughs) okay um so Two of the first individuals covered in Yvonne Smith's book are the serial members known simply as Alice and Lacey. They arrived at the Hotel Del Coronado for dinner on the rainy evening of Friday, March 24th, and almost immediately noticed how strange it was that the hotel was flooded with men in suits. This turned out to be the Secret Service, on duty because Bill Clinton, president at the time, was scheduled to arrive on the island on Saturday as a guest of the ambassador to Switzerland, Larry Lawrence, whose mansion was near the hotel. Clinton was scheduled to arrive on Saturday, stay the night at Lawrence at the Lawrence mansion, and then give a big speech at the hotel, all during the same weekend Bigelow's triad conference was happening. Bill Clinton and a hotel full of ufologists? Sounds like the perfect recipe for an extraterrestrial conspiracy. Sure does. Even though the Secret Service members were simply there to oversee hotel security, Alice and Lacey, two lifelong alien abductees, or experiencers, as some people uh, prefer to be called, couldn't help but feel like they were being watched, even followed by men in black suits. 
Yeah. There's this anecdote in the book where they're talking about they go to they weren't staying at the hotel, but they went to there was a rainy evening. They arrived. That's where the conference was. I think they went and maybe I think Yvonne Smith was speaking Friday night. So they had dinner, the two of them. And at one point they're like, why do we have three waiters? I guess there were just like three men in suits standing over their table, intimidating them. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I know where you're going with this, that, you know, um, I mean, God, talk about the perfect place for some men in black to show up. But it's hard to tell who's who and what's what and where the Secret Service starts and where the men in black end. Right. Now, perhaps exactly. This is just a case of garden variety paranoia. But what better way for some MIBs to slip in and observe a conference full of alien abductees than by fitting in with all of those Secret Service men? Yeah, either that or they're you know like, I mean? just we got to keep eyes on these on these wackos. It's, There's a UFO conference going on. It's we the only sure event are... that they can dress as themselves and fit in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a good point. So after dinner at the Hotel Del Coronado, Alice and Lacey returned to their modest hotel a walking distance away, the Village Inn. And I say modest hotel because, believe me, there are so many times in Alice's regression session where she complains about how small and gross this hotel is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting, too, though, is like, so a lot of these regressions took place over multiple sessions. And I was always, um, I found it always more convincing that every time they came back into a a session uh, when Yvonne put them under they came right back to the details that they were before so you know it's not like their story changed or or altered a bit it was always very consistent where she picked up and left off yes that's true and it would get it would get richer with detail every time but it wouldn't change if that makes sense you know what I mean um like they, if, if if they described a room in the first session, they would be able to describe like the decorations in the room on the second session, and then maybe what was in the photographs in the picture frames on the third yeah. session. That that level of detail just gets sort of more and more specific, but the events never, never, uh, at least in what she presents, never, never changed. So uh, after settling in for the night, Alice awoke to the sensation of a bright flash of light that lit up her closed eyelids. Alice opened her eyes to see Lacey sitting up in her bed, the bed closest to the window, with her knees tucked under her chin, facing her headboard. Okay, already we're in a Jason Bloom movie. This is like Blumhouse. This is like Conjuring-level freaky behavior. Now, Lacey claims she is, she'd been woken up by a bright light outside of the window. And fearing that an abduction was about to take place, Lacey turned away from the window and thought to herself, Oh no, not now. So remember, these are women and these are people that have claimed to have these experiences their whole lives. So they know when it's about to happen at this point, right? Yeah. Now, the order of events which followed is a little unclear, but we've stitched together both Alice and Lacey's multiple regression sessions to work out what happened next. Alice, afraid, scrambled out of bed and tried hiding in the corner of the room next to the closet. Lacey got out of the bed, her bed, and went to protect her friend. That's when the entities arrived. Three alien greys 
entered through the window. Fuck. Lacey described them to Yvonne Smith. Now, I've never seen them before. They smell really bad. They smell like, I want to say, sulfur or, or rotten eggs. They were small beings, maybe three feet high and very limbly, spindly looking. Their torsos are quite big for their size. Their heads are enlarged. They're disgusting. They, they look disgusting. This is fascinating because Lacey has claimed to, I think she, correct me if I'm wrong, Bryce, but like she was the one that like didn't deal with the greys a lot. You know, she dealt with the Nordics, the tall blondes, and Mm. the mantids, the mantoids. But when she saw these three alien greys phase through the window, because when we say they came through the window, we're not saying they opened up the windowsill and they crawled through like a burglar. They were like Kitty Pride and X-Men style phasing in through the window, just like Vision from Avengers coming through. Yeah, And she knew instinctively, oh, they're not here for me. They're here for Alice. And part and what happens in all of these, um, you'll see there's a recurring pattern that happens where there's a victim of the abduction, and then there the in especially on Friday night, it seems to be this, and then there's the other who either witnesses the other one, their their roommate or their spouse getting abducted while they're made to just sit there and watch it all kind of happen. You know, which is a really fucked up fucked thing up, for yeah. these aliens or whatever the fuck this is to do. Um, so Alice described one of the entities as being very bug-like and frightening. They didn't seem to be wearing clothes. They had very pointy chins with no notable nose or mouth. Just these large almond-shaped eyes awkward torsos and stick-like arms and legs. They kept describing their torsos as being too big and then their limbs being too skinny and stick-like. Regardless of their appearance, it didn't seem as if the entities were there for Lacey. They moved her back to her bed by raising their arms and, according to Lacey, using some type of telekinetic powers without even touching her. Right, like Yuri Geller. I'm going to move past that one. (laughs) Lacey watched in horror as the alien greys levitated the terrified Alice and floated her through the window into the immense light, which at this point was filling up the entire room. Lacey could then hear a man screaming. It sounded like it was coming from Mike and Gina's room next door or out in the hallway. As Lacey lay there, paralyzed with fear, alone in her hotel room, Alice was brought into an operation room, presumably aboard some kind of alien spacecraft. Mm. It was there that the Greys inserted a giant, triangular-shaped needle into Alice's left leg. Alice recalled being rolled on her side as the Greys injected her with something. She felt woozy and drugged, as if they rendered her unable to fight back, before swiftly returning her to Lacey and the hotel room. And according to like other witnesses in these stories and from Lacey, it sounds like Alice is a real handful. <laughs> like she really <laughs> freaks out when this happens. And it seems like the aliens are like, we have to sedate this one. She is the cat or the dog that goes to the vet and cannot fucking handle it. Whereas some of these other 
abductees that we'll get into, they're sort of like, okay, I'm going to the vet. This sucks, but I know that I'm going to get to go home after this. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And I, it's not that I, I mean to compare her to an animal. Also, by the way, great comparison. I love my animals, but it is, I, it, I really feel it's that kind of energy. Albie loved going to the vet. He walked in, he was the star of the show. Violet cannot fucking stand it, and they take such great care of her, but just being in that alien environment terrifies her. And I think Alice, for a season as she is as an abductee, she's always freaking out when they come to get her, which, frankly, I would be too. Yeah, I back that analogy too, because it's like, you know, the the dog doesn't know what the vet is or why it's being taken there. And so it's kind of like the same level of understanding for the human. Maybe, you know, maybe this whole thing is just like our checkups, you know, as a species. Yeah. That's what abductions are. It's the human vet. I think you are, I think you are hitting it on the head closer than you know. And we're also just at this point, I have to say, this is, fucking bonkers and we haven't um, even gotten started yet dude, it's already so insane it is holy shit also terrifying just it just so scary gets crazier okay wow. carry on Let, let's carry get on. into let's get so into some crazy yeah so let's start with one of the one of the f- f- like early points of high strangeness one of the little details that came up during uh the regression sessions with both alice and Lacey. by the way being regressed separately and not being told now maybe they chit chatted with each other i don't know but yvonne smith was like i never let the other person know what they were saying you know what i mean but one of the crazy things that happens this is one of these little details that make it seem real is that alice had a blanket that she brought with her that um when the aliens returned her to the bed they couldn't figure out how to lay the blanket back on the bed the way it should belong. And they rolled it up and then laid it lengthwise across the bed under her neck and like wrapped it around her neck, almost like a scarf. And (laughs) Alice and Lacey talk about when they woke up in the morning. uh, And of course at the time, not remembering any of this stuff. Alice was like freaking out because her neck was her her blanket was wrapped around her neck and Lacey was like what did you do in your sleep <laughs> but later Lacey under regression remembers watching the greys looking at the blanket going what the f- wait what is this what do we do with this I think it goes this way just and then just like, her we've got no, to go it's, it, no got- it's a scarf you there <laughs> are 12 <laughs> other people to ejaculate tonight let's go <laughs> Now, look, you know, L- Lacey, just because she had to watch it, you know, sh- she didn't come away unscathed. Uh, in a later regression session with Yvonne, she recalled how years earlier, now this is kind of fucked up, she had struck a deal with the aliens, a deal that would basically let her alien captors abduct her willingly and that she would cooperate with their breeding protocols and provide loving care and tenderness for their alien hybrid children so long as the aliens would not take her own children and subject them to the trauma she was experiencing. And like Michael said, it's always these strange little clues uh, that kind of like 
just lead to the authenticity of these ex- harrowing experiences during one regression session. Wait, but I'm going to pause right there because, oh, yeah. Riley, this all came about years earlier. Lacey had been going to the library to photocopy some reports from a UFO magazine that she wanted to, like, mail to a friend. This is pre-Facebook. Nice. And felt like this weird barometric pressure and like headache and tingling sensation walked outside of the library in broad daylight and was abducted by this giant craft where she was broad daylight put into a room where a mantoid was harvesting some of her eggs guys it gets dark and she was begging him to stop and then he was like no 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 remember this was the deal you uh you give us uh, uh uh you love and care and give us tenderness for our babies and we won't take your babies and there's this thing that shows up when this comes out in all the Jacques Vallée stuff this came out in the Debbie Debbie Jordan Cobble intruder story yeah where and even as far back as the Antonio Antonio Veas uh Barros, I can't remember his last name, from 1955, when he was, like, taken from the farm and made to, like, mate with this alien that nibbled on his chin. Uh, There's this idea that we're going to see in all of this, that there's really, there's this hybrid, human-alien hybrid program happening, where it seems like the aliens want to make half-human half alien spawn and that the thing that they lack is emotion and they need humanity's love and tenderness to like hold these babies and care for these babies or check in with these babies and part of these abduction experiences are both men and women being brought back to see and visit children that the aliens have made with their uh, reproductive juices. Yeah, but Michael, maybe it's not that they so much need this human care and tenderness, but that the alien greys are observing how we offer that so that they can learn about it, study that, and Mm. maybe take it back to their own home planet and and practice, you know, because so many people say these greys are emotionless and they're they're working on that, whatever that means. So that's I don't that's know. Very, I'm working on it. That's very similar to what my, how my father described like the the Chinese uh, uh, government working industry in the 1980s. Right. He worked for his farmers. He was like, we went over and we would teach the Chinese how we did everything in the pharmaceutical industry in the U.S. And they'd pay us for a couple of years to do it, but then they would cut us off. They would take what we, they learned and then they would do it better than we did. Oh my and God. like, that's, that's, that's like, a- that's like the global eco- economic crisis that we're facing right now. So Amazing. maybe it's similar to that. I'll uh, look, this summer, I'm finding a way to work my dad into every episode. <laughs> Apparently, people love it. They're t- commenting it on the Instagram. I hate to tell you guys who are requesting it. He's never going to be on an episode of the show. He's not. <laughs> he's, he does love to talk, but he's not interested. Um, well, here's here's another fascinating thing that happened with one of Lacey's regression sessions. Lacey recalled a time that when she was aboard a ship and an opposing alien gray told her that she needed to learn something about energy and that she was, quote, supposed to give information about the restructuring of electrons and the use of ions, adding, quote, if you reverse the process, electromagnetic pulsation would be a cleaner energy and that it would be an inexhaustible energy. 
So these fucking aliens are like, oh, and by the way, you know, you, you should uh, restructure how you, uh, you know, electrons and the use of ions, which is fucking crazy. And Yvonne goes on to explain in the book, and I think, you know, the tech people will really kind of dig this. The aliens are probably talking here about techniques to release energy from the field of zero point energy, also known as vacuum energy, which surrounds us. According to quantum field theory, the fabric of space, the vacuum, is not empty, but is seething with energy in the form of photons, electrons, protons, neutrons, and other subatomic particles, which are present in the form of particle-antiparticle pairs, uh, known as virtual particles, which appear and annihilate with each other within the time allotted by the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Now, these virtual photons and other particles can thus never be detected directly, but nonetheless have profound effects. There is, in fact, so much energy in the quantum vacuum that the photon component alone in a coffee cup full of space would be enough to boil away the Earth's oceans if fully released. Matter could not exist without the field of zero-point energy, and all physical forces of nature, gravity, electromagnetism, and nuclear force arise from it. The ZPE could also be used as a non-polluting, inexhaustible form of energy if various techniques for releasing it were fully developed. The aliens are probably referring here to techniques to cause the zero-point energy field to release some of its photonic energy. There have been reports for years that stimulating the ion-resonant modes of plasmas, hot ionized gas, can lead to anomalous heating or the generation of more electrical power than was put in. It's likely that alien UFOs utilize some type of plasma reactor. Which Mr. Utilizes- alien, Mr. Alien, why are you telling me all of this? I'm just trying to watch some Will and Grace episodes and go to sleep. <laughs> well, I totally. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, what well, you know, I mean, unless Lacey is, you know, thumbing through her latest quantum field journals, how the fuck would she sort of know or be able to sort of repeat these ideas? It's just so and, strange. And also, what is she supposed to do with this information? Yeah, because I don't know. Riley, all these aliens also will tell these people weird facts and things about this, about how it's like they're trying to get through to everyone and no one all at the same time about how to be a better civilization. You know what I I mean? mean, They should should almost start with, do you work at a particle collider by chance? (laughs) It feels like they're trying to explain like these concepts to a child. They're just like, look, you just, yeah, you superheat the plasma. You unlock the power of dark matter. This is pretty simple stuff here. It's right there, people. Right (laughs) there. (laughs) Now, of course, all of these memories that we're talking about were recalled long after the incident itself. In the morning after... Alice and Lacey woke up to Mike, their friend, knocking on their door to come downstairs for breakfast. Alice, however, felt sick, like the insides of her, like her insides were hot. And when she peed, it burned. She felt like she had gotten the flu. Over breakfast that morning, Mike, this is Saturday morning, Mike brought up the elephant in the room, asking, did something happen last night? I feel like something happened. However, Lacey and Alice were not up to discussing it. Later, Alice would complain to Lacey, Why can't I just have a vacation? (laughs) As for what was troubling Mike, well, 
He woke up that Saturday morning with a spot of blood on his pillow, emanating from his ear. The night before, Mike and his wife Gina checked into the village inn in the room next to Allison Lacey's. Again, these are other, all these people we're talking about are serial members, some of whom knew each other beforehand, some who are meeting, some who are stuck in a room sort of potluck style. But um, Mike and Gina, Allison Lacey, and then uh, Jack and his wife Melanie. Jack is Alice's brother. All of these people staying in the villa, uh, the village inn on this night, they did all know one another. So, they, Mike and Gina checked into the village inn uh, next to Allison Lacey on Friday night. They drifted off to sleep, and Mike remembers waking to a bright light coming through the window. Panicking, Mike tried shaking Gina awake, and when that failed, he ran out into the hallway and cried for help. Hmm. That was the voice that Lacey recalls hearing screaming next door. Oh my God! Oh my God! They're help. here! Well, and they actually said it was less panicking, more. I think it actually sounded more like this Help! <laughs> help! Got some aliens here! Little help! Uh, <laughs> it was that. It wasn't. <laughs> super scared it was just because he kind of kind like of the way question he, yeah that yeah because yeah. he was yeah he was just like it sounded like you know like if you, if you have a cat or your parents have a cat and then you can hear that cat like meowing late at night like down yeah. in the basement it was that kind of a cry so after he ran out into the hall and cried for help because he said that originally he thought there was a plane heading like the plane there was a plane coming in and that the light was from a plane and then he realized it's not what was happening and then he was like oh fuck i know what's happening i'm being abducted Mm -hmm. again because he's been He'd been abducted since he was eight years old on his grandfather's farm. (laughs) This is all also like, by the way, I mean, we just have to say this this is all who knows. This might all just be what the brain does when like really bad trauma happens to you. No, stop it, Michael. Stop it. No, this is what happened. So he ran out of the hall, goes, and then he returned to bed and just laid down, let the light fill the room. And through what Mike described as a foggy light four shadows emerged and surrounded his bed. Mm. Gina slept soundly. Mike watched in terror as the shadows became four more alien fucking grace. Now, he has no idea that this is happening to Alice and Lacey in the next room, right? Next thing Mike knows, he is also on board a craft, stretched out on an operating table. One of the beings stood next to his head, holding a long, thin, metallic baton in its four-fingered hand. On the tip of the rod was a metallic mesh ball. The being inserted the wand into Mike's ear, producing a high-pitched ringing sound. When Mike woke up in the morning, there was blood on his pillow. Now, he originally thought that blood wasn't coming from his ear. He had this veiled memory of slipping in the bathroom and like bopping his lip on the sink and then bleeding from his lip onto the pillow but he couldn't understand why there was no cut on his lip wow well later 
later in regressions came to the conclusion that that was a false memory planted in his mind Mm -hmm. so the aliens would not make him think uh to 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 regard or look into his ear because we're, we're gonna find out later and by like weeks later at this point because i'm telling you guys this is a chunky episode um <laughs> mike when 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 the these people brought uh scars scoop marks and 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 uh implants back with them and what we find out later is that once those things get moved the aliens get fucking pissed because Mike actually had an ear doctor look in his ear because he had such bad uh, tinnitus after this thing. And the, the doctor was like, something punctured your eardrum. You got to stop cleaning out your ear so deep. Right. And there are instances where people get their implants removed. And I think it was Mike who had an abduction later experience after he had something taken out of his ear where these aliens came. And then when, once they arrived, they almost didn't recognize him and they got really like violent. And he was like, no, 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 it's me. It's me. You know, me, you know, me, which seems to indicate that maybe these implants are some kind of like ID tag for these alien robotic pocket mouth grays that don't even know how to lay a fucking blanket on straight. You know what I mean? Well, I'm putting tip of the rod on the shadow bats album. Um, (laughs) There's a few things I want to discuss and, and that's one, how that in all these people's accounts, these shadows always sort of these, they turn into the alien grays. I mean, how many times have we talked about shadow people on this show? I mean, are those just aliens who haven't fully materialized? You know, in almost all these cases, these entities are always first described as shadows in the room. And it's hard not to get the feeling that these beings are, like Mike said before, materializing, dematerializing, able to walk through doors, float their captors through walls and or ceilings super strange so it makes makes you think about next time we hear someone describing a a shadow person at the foot of their bed could that be a fucking alien gray and another thing i'm i'm really fascinated here with too is this idea that all these aliens have these wands or as described in mike's case this black rod and it started making me think about the magician's wand and i was like just kind of wondering where this where the idea of a of a magician's wand came from and why are all these aliens seem to have a wand that they touch i find it fascinating but the concept of magic wands was used by the ancient greek writer homer in his epic poems the iliad and the odyssey in all cases homer used the word rabdos which means rod his writings feature a wide wide array of gods and mythical beings using wands to conduct magic and channel power riley that's just interesting riley do you remember episode i want to say 10 of the show where we did the verona's ufo landing bryce wasn't there vaguely yeah that one of this was the uh, Russian playground where 50 eyewitnesses ah, claimed yeah. that a spherical UFO landed and a giant weird sort of spaceman walked out with a little robot 
And this giant three-eyed giant spaceman had a wand in his hand that he used to freeze one of the kids and made mm-hmm. vanish and then brought mm-hmm. him back. Mm-hmm. So this this idea that these like aliens also use these wands in all of these surgeries is very, very strange and something that comes up no matter whether or not we're dealing with alien greys or like these weird inflatable three eyed robots in 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 uh behind the iron curtain. Kind of mm-hmm. love it, man. Kind of love these. Some sort of interdimensional tool, some yeah. field disruptor sort of thing or something. Yes, exactly. Okay. Also, quick check in. I mean, we 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 got a ways to go here. And uh, Riley, how are you feeling about scoring this episode so far? <laughs> oh, it's you know, it's great. It's like uh, you guys have turned me into a, a very uh, prolific musician. <laughs> it's good. I needed a little, I needed a little fire under my ass, you know. All right, uh, B- well, BCC has provided it. Well, we're gonna put a little fire under our ass because we are not even halfway through this now. While all of this was happening. Alice's brother Jack and his wife Melanie were experiencing their own close encounter. Melanie was sleeping soundly after an evening of shopping on the island with her husband, but Jack had actually been lying awake in bed feeling restless. He was wide awake when the light appeared through his window. However, Jack told Yvonne under hypnosis that the light didn't seem to just pour in from the windows. It came from the room itself. In mm-hmm. fact, the ceiling seemed to transform into swirling spirals of light. Outside of his room, Jack could hear a man stumbling around and shouting for help. Help. <laughs> little, little help here, please. Help. And suddenly, Jack and Melanie were no longer alone. Three grays and a tall gray entered the room by phasing through the hotel door. The tall gray. Now, sometimes these guys show up in this in this stuff. There sometimes will be the tiny little three and a half foot grays, which most of these are. But there are a couple taller grays that people will claim are the leaders, leaders yeah. of the little diminutive pocket mouth weirdos that were probably the ones that they recovered at Roswell. So the tall gray carried a rod in his hand, which Jack described being as being very similar to the wand the other entity stuck in Mike's ear. This tall gray held the wand against Jack's temple, which rendered him unable to move. Jack gazed on helplessly as the other greys levitated Melanie into the air and out the window. As the tall grey stayed behind to babysit Jack and tell him, Not to worry, she's going to be okay. The room soon became bright again with vibrant swirls of light coming down from the ceiling. Jack watched as Melanie phased through the ceiling and was returned to her bed. Yeah. More of that phasing. Jack revealed to Yvonne during his regression session about his wife, Melanie, whom he saw levitating in the bed next to him. Quote, She's just in the beam of light. She seems to be a little bit above the bed, and she almost looks like she's not really solid. She's levitating a little bit higher. Uh, I don't see her anymore. Upon her return, she's floating down from the ceiling in a bright, spiraling light. Bright, very bright light. I love this. 
idea of her not being solid. Yeah, that's how they get through the walls and the doors and the fucking whatever they need to get through, dude. They just like Star Trek, the the you know beam me up shit. They dematerialize you and rematerialize you. Is that or are they co- or is it another dimension overlapping with our dimension? Yes, both. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I don't so know, the, but it's strange. The next morning, Jack and Melanie suddenly didn't feel like attending the conference. Instead, they went shopping. Jack later explained to Yvonne that the conference gave him an uneasy feeling, that he was certain they would be there, that the aliens would somehow be in attendance. You know, Riley, I I thought of you when, when Jack was in a regression session, and, you know, we've talked about missing time before, but he -hmm. described a missing time a case of missing time as follows he says quote back in 85 i was with a friend in my apartment we just sat down and i had put an album on we were sitting three feet apart from each other and then the room turned totally pitch black and then it got bright white so bright you couldn't see anything my friend saw it too and then suddenly it was gone and the album was over it was very strange. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Right? Yeah. I mean, just yeah, like you uh, start an good. album and then, yeah. hey, wait a minute. We should be on song number six right now <laughs> of the Shadow <laughs> Bats. Like that, that album. Sweet Weed and the Shadow Bats <laughs> that, LP. Yeah. That, that Shadow Bats album went a little quick for my liking. But, <laughs> but anyway. yeah, that uh, the sudden bright flash and darkness. That's uh, pretty spooky stuff. Crazy. So that was all on Friday night, okay? And that's what I thought happened. It was just that night. But guess what? Shit happened on Saturday night, the 26th of March, I think. I think it was 25 was Friday, the 25th, 26th, 27th was Sunday. So on Saturday night, over at a different hotel, (laughs) the even, I think, cheaper motel, the Villa Capri or Via Capri Motel. Two other members of Ciro shared an, an, an abduction experience. Sam, a psychically sensitive man who either gained his psychic powers from a lifetime of alien abductions or was abducted because of those powers. We and don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And his roommate for the convention, Gary who is described as a six foot five muscly jarhead type. Basically, Gary is Chet from Weird Science, played by Bill Paxton. That's who Gary is. Your asses are stewed, buttwads. Um, and I do think Sam and Gary knew each other. They drove down together. This is what's great. This is what I so I just like for context, like if you've ever been again. This reminds me of going down to San Diego Comic-Con. Sometimes you go down with friends. Sometimes you go down with a group, and then you all have to share hotel rooms. Some people are sleeping on some people's floors. I kind of feel like some of these serial members like hooked up, and some of them were like paired up with people oh, they that hooked didn't up know. All right, as we'll find out later. Sorry. Oh, Christ. So... <laughs> 
Um, after checking into their hotel room and saying goodnight to one another, uh, and and I, I actually like this part of the book because Sam's like, oh, we chatted for like 40 minutes in bed. I don't know what we were saying. It really sounds like, like two friends over having a slumber party where like... So, you know when you were like a kid and you had a slumber party and you would be talking to your friend and suddenly they'd be quiet and then you'd be the one to go, Bryce, are you asleep? <laughs> you know, yeah, I kind of got jealous. I missed that. Yeah. Like I was always the last one to fall asleep. So I think Sam was the last one to fall asleep. Um, but they both woke up to a bright light flooding the room. Sam got really tingly. And that was his body's way of telling him that they were returning. Uh, and that is when Sam described seeing a blue membrane floating through the room, followed by a trail of light and positioning itself between his and Gary's beds in the, uh, in the hotel. Like, this weird like I picture it as looking like a giant Listerine strip if that Mm. makes sense yeah that does yeah sort of with like acid trails or you know the tracers behind it well let's find out more about this object I'm going to read to you from the book uh, in uh, a transcript of Sam's regression with Yvonne Yes, great. And I'm going to read... So, Bryce, you're going to read Sam, and I'm going to read Yvonne. Okay. Great. Um, It's not light. It's like an object, but it was blue. It's not lit internally, but it was a membrane of something that went between the beds. I saw it move by, and then I see a trail of white behind it. Sam, you're safe now. Just describe. Describe what has happened. Well... There's something moving around in the room. There's activity. I think I'm almost hearing the, the rustling of paper. It's kind of a crackling. It's like a like a whirling almost. It's like something that's coming around the bed almost. Oh man. Now I see this red light that's up from me on my left. I don't think it's the smoke detector. I really don't. It's moving towards me, and it's bigger and brighter than a little LED. You're doing fine, Sam. You're doing fine. Just keep verbalizing. I'm getting the chills. It's dark, and there's this red light overhead, and there's this membrane thing around me. I've never seen anything like this before. I see a a shadow trying to come through the membrane. Oh, God, I, I don't know what this membrane thing is. It went around the bed, and it... And it tightened in somehow. It's kind of blue and it's like, it's transparent. I get the feeling that it's moving. I think there's something behind the light. It's, oh God, it's close to my face now. I thought I saw a face. I mean, those eyes. Okay, okay, take a deep those breath. Eyes. Now, Sam, take a deep breath. You will be able to get through this without the fear. Just report to me what is happening. I'm not sure I'm in the motel room. There's a brighter light over the top of me now. Is it the red light? No, it's whitish yellow, moving slowly from the top of my head down towards the middle of my body. But it it seems like it could be ten feet above me. The membrane is spinning around where I'm laying and it's lowering. It's, it's coming down, but it's just 
black beyond it. I'm definitely not in my bed anymore. I don't feel the covers. Whatever I'm laying on feels kind of hard. I'm in some kind of a room. I mean, honestly, give this man a Webby Award right now because Bryce, that moved to me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Beautiful performance. That was amazing. Beautiful. So in this bright white room, this dome-shaped room, Sam saw two beings dressed in uniform-like suits engaged in conversation. Again, just going to make a little BCC note that uh, anytime I hear the greys dressed in uniforms, it makes me think of Betty and Barney Hill describing them dressed in little Nazi uniforms. So just a little Mike note, Mike editor's note for this episode. Don't just putting a pin in that. All right. Everyone take note. So uh, he sees his uniform beings uh, talking to one another next to a table that Sam could see Gary was on strapped to a bunch of machines and tubes. Mm. And by I mean tubes, I mean there's a tube over his cock and there's a tube of his I mean dick tubes. Now, (laughs) moving forward. The Shadow Bats album? Moving forward, (laughs) I just want to let everybody know we're getting into some real uh, semen farming territory here, okay? Dick tubes. This is when things get personal. So a female entity approached Gary. Uh, he sensed that the or approached Sam and told him that they didn't want to want him awake for this part, but that his friend was going to be okay. Um, Bryce, I'm going to have you read uh, Sam's account from page 220 uh, of Coronado by Yvonne Smith. Well, I can just see peripherally. I can kind of look over with my eyes enough to see stuff, but it hurts to look that far over where Gary is. I want to say three, maybe two on his left and one on his right. They're bent over him. The two on his left are bent over close to his abdomen. The other one seems to be holding him at bay like the one who's dealing with me right now. She says something like, you don't remember, do you? And my response is, I don't remember what. She's looking at the others now, but she's got her hand on me and she's bent over and she's looking over her left shoulder at the others. I get the feeling there's communication going on. The others have something. I can't make it out. Something long. Oh God, long instrument tubes. I just can't make it out that well. I don't really feel frightened. Her hand feels warm, but I don't mean physically. I mean that her touching me puts warmth inside of me, deep in a way I've never felt from anyone else. She says something to me about Gary is different than you are. Oh, God, she said his name. I don't like that. Bryce, why don't you skip down to the next paragraph and read uh, what he says there. I think this is important. She says that I know what she means, and I think I know, but I resist believing it. Although I consider its possibility, it's just hard to take it straight from her. Oh. She means that I'm connecting with them, and he's not. And not all the others are either. 
but we are very interested in them. A, a definite sense of you don't have to go through what he has to go through. After Gary's procedure was finished, Sam recalls a bright light shining on him and then once again being wrapped with the blue gelatinous membrane. Then the aliens returned him and Gary to their beds. In the morning, Sam woke to Gary screaming from the bathroom. Oh God! Oh God, I don't believe it! I got marks on my penis! (laughs) This is a major plot point in the book where uh, Gary discovers that he had three triangular pinpoints on the tip of his penis... It's like and, the predator shot with his shoulder yeah, laser cannon. It is. <laughs> a mark right onto the penis. It's from whatever this... Uh, guys, I'm sorry. It's from whatever this dick-milking machine is that these alien greys use. <laughs> and there's a... There, it leaves a mark. What are you going to tell you? Gary begged Sam to come in and take a look at his dick in the bathroom. Sam said, no, thank you. And then later on Sunday afternoon, this group all went to have dinner at Pea Soup Anderson's in Carlsbad, California. <laughs> I know that spot, yeah. Yeah, it's and uh and uh, Well, you'll never think of it the same again. Gary <laughs> Gary brought up his his the marks on his penis at the ta- he would not stop talking about them. And he convinced another member, Jesse, who we're going to get into in a moment, to follow him into the men's room to show him the triangular pinpoint marks on the tip of his dick, which Jesse was like, I've had that. That Yeah, I recognize this. Then then they go. From the milking. I almost see it like them at the tip. Now. Are those jalapeno poppers? For come on, God, who doesn't want to see my? I got marks on my dick, you guys. I mean, I can't enjoy a split pea soup with these dick marks. Just come have a look. Come just on, come man. to the bathroom, please. Come for on, God's sake. I'm gonna read Gary Gary in his uh, hypnotic regression talking about this moment at pea soup Anderson's uh, with Yvonne. This is directly from the book. Um, Boxers 30, uh, get ready to write another review about our sophomore humor. Um, <laughs> and then I took Jesse inside the restroom with me. I wanted a witness. I'm going to read him as George Norrie. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Uh, no, it's Harry Carey. All right, hold on. There was a lot involved <laughs> in trying to take a picture. What it involved is trying to... So they he describes that they wanted to take a picture of the marks on his dick. This is before dick pics were a thing, by the way. This is 1994. <laughs> what it involved was trying to suck in my stomach, lay my penis erect, not flaccid on top of a towel, on top of the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and maintain all of that. Keeping it on the towel, my belly sucked in and my penis erect. This was the day after, and in fact, became all too much. Now the photographs just show a flaccid penis kind of popping out over a fat belly. Oh, ain't that oh, the story good. of every dick pic ever yeah. taken? Yeah, oh, right there. Uh, so the, t- the timeline in the book, from all accounts, seems to indicate that these abductions actually took place over Friday and Saturday nights, with a possible additional abduction happening to another member on Thursday, one day before the conference started. And it seems like Saturday, the night Sam and Gary described their reg- in their regressions, was the big 
show involving most of, if not all of these people, including Alice and a guy named John, who we're going to talk about uh, in a moment. Now, one of the other members of Sarah was a woman named Melinda, who had been a contactee and abductee her whole life. She's often abducted in scenarios involving military personnel or military people that are present with aliens in her abductions, which is really, really interesting. Hmm. So Melinda recalled Gray's appearing to her in her hotel room Saturday night at the actual Hotel Del Coronado. She was the only one who seemed to pony up and stay at the hotel itself. Gray's left her roommate, an unnamed individual, completely alone. Again, bright swirling lights filled the room. The Grays took Melinda to an operating area on a big craft where she sat in a chair. That's just—it's almost like a chair in a barber shop. These high metallic chairs, and she's sitting next to Gary, who she recognizes from Ciro. While the aliens stuck needles into their brains in order to, Melinda believes, harvest their memories and possibly mm. activate these old, dormant memories. Melinda recalls just seeing all of these childhood memories from when she was three years old just come flooding back. And she talks about how she got a sense that the aliens were trying to remind the abductees of a time in their lives when they had psychic abilities. She also describes seeing a large room with multiple operating tables, lots of grays, and at least one mantoid examining 10 or 11 humans including other members from Ciro. On Sunday morning, another experiencer who attended the Triad Conference, Dawn, went, uh, female, D-A-W-N, Bryce, it was your yeah. wife. Oh uh, Dawn went for a walk on the beach. And now Dawn in the book goes into all this really good and really crazy abductee history, which I recommend. We we just didn't have time to get into it. She and her grandma watched a fucking flying saucer land in the front yard. It's pretty great stuff. But Don didn't seem to have any regression sessions bringing up um, that weekend. Um, but she went for a walk Sunday morning, the night after Gary and Sam were taken and Melinda was taken. And she remembers watching the sunrise over the ocean, seeing this weird wavy light anomaly rippling over the open sky. So... There are a couple uh, more serial members worth mentioning. One, Jesse, who we uh, mentioned briefly, he didn't come down to the event until Sunday. Uh, Jesse was the guy who looked at, um, for context, a look at get looked at Gary's dick uh, 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 at P. Soup Anderson Sunday evening. Um, so he came down that day. He came down for one day. Um, and so he didn't experience Friday or Saturday night, but he recalled an abduction that happened on the previous Thursday night, just one day before. His story was very similar to all of the others. Gray's materializing in his bedroom, mm-hmm. lights coming out of the ceiling. He was taken with five other men, one of whom he identifies as the serial member John who we're going to end this uh, story with. He and John were both forced to give sperm samples, and he watched John get anally probed. 
Um, Bryce, why don't yeah. you talk about a uh, abduction experience that Jesse had one time yeah. in his life? So one thing that kind of came up uh, often in in a couple of these reports was that the aliens, amongst you know, dick tubes and stuff like that, but they would insert into these abductees oftentimes these long needles or tubes and fill them with something some type of liquid usually but they always had this sensation of being filled up now jesse recalled a time when an incident took place in 2003 when he was abducted and you know the deal strange white light enters the room shadows appear turn into three alien grays and a taller leader uh, that Jesse would refer to as the elder. Only this time, they took him aboard a ship. They stuck a tube down his throat and filled him with a syrupy liquid. And when he woke up in his favorite chair, he couldn't breathe. Recalling, I couldn't swallow, and I put my hand in my mouth, and all I had was all this goop in my mouth. It was like a clear, thick molasses. He couldn't breathe, only through his nose. He couldn't talk, just gobs of this stuff coming out of his mouth filling his mouth so he goes to the bathroom and he's spewing out all this goop he can't breathe and he wakes up his wife melanie um they just had a baby brianna who's kind of in like this daze herself possibly from being zapped with the pay no attention to your floating husband through the ceiling ray gun and so she's sort of just casually like you should go to the hospital let's not wake up our newborn brianna so he's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, like the fucking guy can't breathe. And not to mention he's wearing a cast because he injured himself at work. So, you know, this guy's got a fucking cast on his foot, can't walk, can't breathe. And she's like, you should take care of it. So he drives himself to the emergency room. They stick an IV in him and they just keep sucking the stuff out of him all night, just sucking the stuff out. Now, of course, they didn't know what the hell it was or for that matter, take any of it for analysis. And he was basically sent home the next day. And later in a regression session with Yvonne, he recalls the horrifying incident with the Greys filling him up with this goop. Strangely enough, though, he gets the feeling that this goop was somehow helping him. Quote, I just keep thinking it must have been important. I don't know why, but I think it helped me. I don't know why. So wait, did Jesse also have a wife named Melanie like Jack did? Or is this, this isn't Jack's story, right? This no, is this Jesse. is Jesse. Yeah. And it, it's Melanie. Yeah. So yes, that sounds Wild. right. Okay. So there is, I just wanted to clarify that. Um, there is Riley. So there is so much goop and membrane stuff involved in these abduction stories like they would talk about like mornings after an abduction they will sit and just shit for 30 minutes oh, just like crazy weird black liquid out of their butts mm, sorry this is getting gross everybody but you know what it's been 167 episodes <laughs> we you knew goop it. shits were coming eventually yeah, yeah they're coming eventually all right there is a whole other story that I'm just calling an audible on right now because we don't have time for it. But but Jesse later had an abduction experience in 1999 where he was shown a dead alien human hybrid baby that was his own on a Jesus. theatrical stage 
yes. where the audience was composed of humans and aliens. And he felt he was brought there oh. to witness this funeral as the father of this child. Now, like, like, so they could study his response and like, yeah, theatrical yeah. no, 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 actually, no, I disagree, Bryce. They felt that he actually should be there to, to witness it. Mm. And John, who we're going to get to toot sweet. You never thought I'd sneak that phrase into an alien abduction story. Um, John, I think it was John claims that he remembers being there for this Gosh. ceremony. I, I That might be a whole episode on the we other might, side. Yeah, that's going to need to be another side episode. That's a spin-off episode. That. It is a david lynchian level (laughs) well you know so so i just i do want to say this and 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 we will do an episode at some point this month on the other side about this specific story but um you know the scene in Eraserhead where he's watching the radiator lady and it's like a whole stage performance inside this radiator and the Mm -hmm. radiator lady looks sort of extraterrestrial the thing that kept coming up for me reading this story is that as physical and as goopy and as and and in and, and when they use like membranes to wrap people around to like shrink wrap people to phase them in through ceilings <sighs> and stuff, which is what Jesse seems to describe. That um to me, I feel like the person who is most nailed what this experience is like is David Lynch in his stuff, because hmm. I think it is less more. It is less like I'm being beamed up into a ship, a flying saucer than it is. There is some weird goopy transition between this reality and another dimension. It's dimensional. It's like a, it's film. a dimensional it's like a- shift. <clears throat> A hundred percent. I believe that it's like a film. And, and, and these people witness being like drenched in goop and all these aliens phasing in and out of the ceiling or the room lighting up. I do not think this is a craft that is coming down from the atmosphere, hovering over a building and sucking people out through the chimney. This is something that's coming from another dimension. That that's really what I feel. And and it's I think almost as if and they it's move. it's a it's a, almost like a dreamlike transition. Yeah. Wow. A dream time. It's like they move a physical space just over to the side and yep. they pervade it and they enter with the light and it's 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 like a stretching of reality. Guys, it's wow. all in Super Mario Brothers 2. Mario is dreaming. He went to to the fucking vegetable kingdom and destroyed Wart. The curtain raises and lowers. It's a dream, guys. This is we are in fucking. Here's the thing: we are in fucking Wizard of Oz territory with this shit. It is, guys. I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. These <laughs> aliens are from inner space. They are not from outer space. That's all I'm saying. Duh. Yeah, I haven't been feeling that for a while. I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, this show. All right, let's get into John. He's the let's final abductee, okay? Yeah. So let's talk about John. Now, John was a trusted member of Yvonne's Ciro group, an individual who had been abducted since the age of eight. 
Originally apprehensive about being regressed, he soon relented as the feeling of releasing his trapped memories soon provided him with some much-needed relief. John was in attendance that weekend at the UFO conference on Coronado Island, and in the spring of 1993, one year prior to the Triad Conference on Coronado, John had a jarring experience in which he was abducted by the usual suspects, only this time they were going to, quote, try something different this time, end quote. He recalls being taken to a room aboard the ship with clean, beautiful, perfect, white, stainless parts all around. Next to him are three standard grays, three and a half feet tall, big head, almond-shaped eyes, but it's the taller one in the back that John is worried about. This one is wearing a dark robe with a high collar and a weird face, a face kind of like an insect bug. John recognizes him as the one who usually does the procedures. John does not like this one. The taller bug-like creature proceeds to stick a long cylindrical tube up John's nose. They then stick a long needle into his belly button and fill him with some sort of liquid. Jesse and John drove to the UFO conference together on that Sunday, the last day of the conference. However, John suspected that he had had an experience on that Saturday night, March 26th. Yeah, it's worth noting that John seems to be present for every abduction event between Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, uh, those he got nights. the season pass. Yeah, he bought the, <laughs> he bought the three-day ticket. He did. He really did. It's... <laughs> <laughs> he got a park hopper pass. <laughs> He's got yeah. a park hopper. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, this story, I, I, Bryce, maybe you agree or disagree. This story really ties together. Uh, his story really ties this whole thing together. Um, John, oh, most definitely. Se- John seems to have a big picture perspective as to what is taking place here. That's right. So John recalls the details in several regression sessions with Yvonne, starting on August 18th, 2012. Now, around 8 p.m. on Saturday night, the 26th, while in his own home, John feels the air in his room being sucked out like a vacuum. And a strange voice communicates to him inside of his head saying, I'm here. You know I'm here. We have things to do. And again, they tell him things are going to be different this time. John then realizes he's no longer in his room, but on a ship. Only this time, the ship is much larger. Gigantic, in fact. And the room they're in is huge, with about 20 or more procedural tables. Yep, and the description of the large room with all those operating tables lines up with what Melinda described seeing that Saturday night after she was abducted from the Hotel Del Coronado. And this is the cool thing. So it sounds like Friday night, like Thursday night, Jesse was taken. Friday night, uh, Mike and Alice were taken, and Jack and and Melanie, Jack's wife. By the way, failed to mention Melanie, Jack's wife, who was phased through the ceiling, never wanted to do regression sessions about that weekend, and Yvonne Smith respected that. So that's why we don't have what happened to her up in the ship but it sounds like thursday thursday night little scouting ship friday night same scouting ship saturday night the mother ship shows up that's right the mother ship it seems 
brings everybody back. Oh, it's a fucking party. Wow. So John's on the mothership where he thinks he sees Jesse. Only Jesse's acting quite strange, like he's familiar with the place. Jesse, or what looks like Jesse, tells him, We're going to be here first, then the other people will come later. It's only upon closer inspection that John realizes this is, in fact, not Jesse. The head is shaped differently, a different shape to which fake Jesse replies, You are fine. You are okay. I'm not who you thought I was, but you can trust me. Sure, whatever the fuck you say, fake-ass Jesse. John asks fake Jesse about the bigger ship, and fake Jesse confirms, Yes, it's a different ship. It's for something else. We have different reasons for this ship. This is going to be different for you. There's going to be more people here. You're going to see people that you know here. We have a long night ahead of us, and you are going to be calm. It's not long before John sees people starting to pile in, men and women, some with a dazed, sedated look on their face, some who look like they've been through this before, and some who just look straight pissed off, like Gary. The aliens are attending to Gary's the ones always who are, angry. Gary's fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah. The aliens are attending to the ones who are making the most noise, the ones who it becomes clear to John that they don't want a lot of disruption from. They don't want crying or yelling, and they tell John they can't have that. John looks around and recognizes people from the Zero group. Sam, Melinda, Gary, Mike, Alice is there too. Again, corroborated by Melinda and Sam's hypnoregression therapies about what happened Saturday night. That's right. He then notices that they start to take couples away to a cordoned off area. I'm going to call it the fuck chamber. Men and women are being led away. (laughs) Then John himself is led by three greys to another room, a black room with some kind of, and I love this, he says, a 36-inch TV screen and a nice Nice. black cushion on the floor. There was a deal at Best Buy. (laughs) It'll look sweet in our fuck room. (laughs) Vizio is a... uh, uh, well, a good investment if you're not super into how perfect your uh, screen looks. If you want a quality TV with a sharp picture, just to just buy a Vizio. Good enough, Vizio. <laughs> good enough. Nice black cushion on the floor. Uh, so there's a tall gray present here. Uh, now, it's unclear to me if this is the same one the insectoid i don't think it's the insectoid with the with the cloak and the collar i think it is yeah well i'm not sure because this one john describes maybe i misread this as a gray a tall gray and one that he tends to trust he wears his cape that's the same one it's same a tall one. gray okay. it's a, he calls it a taller gray although upon closer inspection it has sort of an insect like Visage, and he's a face. little bit more wrinkled and yes, leathery. He calls it sometimes the brown one or okay. the elder. Yes, so he calls. So we're going to call this one the caped one. Okay, yes. yes. So this caped one is in the room with him, and this is an entity that John has encountered numerous times. And the caped one seems to be there in this moment to keep everyone cool. Like, his purpose is to convince John that everything is groovy because 
it's about to get really, really uncomfortable. The caped one telepathically communicates to him to take off his clothes, which John does under protest. The two smaller greys leave the room, and the caped one stays behind, telling him, somebody's going to come in the room with you. Seconds later, three small greys come into the room, and they have somebody with them whom John recognizes as a female member of his Ciro group. And this person is not named in the book, so we don't know if it is someone we've already covered or someone who's just not mentioned in the book at all. Right. They ask if he will assist in taking off her clothes. Now, John doesn't like this, and he protests, this isn't right, to which they reply, it's going to be okay, she's going to be fine, and you'll be okay. Then they ask John to touch her. They want to see a man touch a woman. Boy, they're lucky I wasn't in there. That's what I said. I don't know why. Then, guess who wait, decides? Wait, what? I think because I put, because I can fuck, but I erased that part. <laughs> then, oh, guess who decides? I was going to be like, because I'm going to fight. Like, we should be punching all of these aliens yeah, no, right into now. It. I'm protecting like, oh, this lady. Oh, shit. It is so on. This is like well, alien American pie or something like is, that. Like, yeah, we also, want this to see is, our first boner. I just want to say for the record, I don't feel like any of this is consensual. That's the horrifying point for anyone. It's not. We're going to get to that. Then, guess who decides to show up and watch? That's right. The one with the collar and the cape. He's there to direct. John knows the little fuckers are communicating with the lady telepathically because she begins to touch John. And John can tell she's just like, let's get this over with. So they start to hold each other. And you know what? John is sweet. He's like, I'm sorry. And she kind of nods a little bit, which helps John because he knows this isn't right. Then John hears telepathically from the bug-eyed dude in the cape, You both know why you are here in this room. This is not a bad thing. This is what you do. This is what you people do. John interjects, Yes, this is what we do, but not like this. Not like this. (laughs) To which it replies, Yes, it's different, but this is what you are going to do. (laughs) Pretty much, though. (laughs) Now get to fucking... <laughs> Michael, why don't we have you read the juicy stuff on the bottom of page 387? All right. Please. So I just want to reiterate that John does say to Yvonne Smith and everybody, he's not okay with this. And I also, I'm gonna say yeah, we like it John. is problem it is problematic that we don't have the woman's point of view in this book. So maybe she didn't want to go on record. Uh, Maybe she's not able to be identified. Maybe this is just this man's point of view. But as a white man about to read a white cis man, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I think some guys are cute. So where am I on the scale? It's sliding. There you go. Right, guys? Come on. Or as Uh, Kim K. Bailey would say, it's different, but this is what you are going to do. (laughs) Pretty much the same. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying, uh, this is what we have, okay? Uh, Work with it. Work with it. This is what we got. Okay, so he says... uh, Make it hot. No, he doesn't... (laughs) No, Bryce, you're missing the point of this entire thing. This is not supposed to be hot. hot. Jesus It's not... Well, look, 
Is there a but, reality yeah. where this is someone's sexual fantasy? Of course. Almost definitely. Of course. <laughs> anyone on the spectrum might find this sexy. Uh, aliens kidnap you and make you give you like 50 shades of gray in space. I, I just have to say though, for the listeners and for you, Bryce, that John <laughs> did was not into this. No, I know. I he think wasn't. I made that clear. No, no, oh, he John, yeah, John yeah. objected. Looks, John's a sweetheart. And, and, and I, Listen, I relate to John. I'm just being a John, total dick, John but. could be a sweetheart and be into it. He's he's not into it. Okay, here we go. Okay. It's just our sophomoric humor yeah, play, you know. So I lie on top of her and I kiss her on the cheek and say in her ear, I'm sorry. Again. And then she kisses me and says, I know. Or something like that. At first, there's nothing happening with me. I think he means like, you know, his penis isn't moving. But after a while, the tall one told me to focus on what I know to do. So then she spreads her legs and I look down at her body and at some point I'm inside of her. And she doesn't seem to be upset. Maybe she is. I don't know. She doesn't look upset. So we do that for a little while. And I think at some point we stop. I think at one point, I'm finished. It's not happening anymore. The small ones haven't been there for a while. It's just her and me and the tall one behind the screen. That fucker in the cape stayed behind to watch. Stay in it, stay in it. John, you're doing great. Do you see something on the screen? Do you feel that you're being monitored? Oh yeah, there's something there. On the table too, there's something there monitoring. They tell us to get up and they tell me to help her get up. They're they're telling her something. They're telling Oh, they're talking to her. I think that's weird because they talk to me through my mind and talking to her through her mind, but I don't hear what they're saying to her, and I don't know how they do that. She gives me a hug and says, it's okay, don't worry. And I said, thank you, I'm sorry. And they say, we're going to bring you back and you are going to lie inside the big room. There's something else for you to do. I'm thinking, oh God, now what? (laughs) Well played. And after that... John and the girl are separated and John is let out and put on what can only be described as his calming duty where he's asked to go around and make sure he helps relieve the other abductees they say to him human talk to them tell them they're fine only it's so funny when John sees Gary they say you can't help this one (laughs) <laughs> because basically Gary wants to kill someone. Gary's and like, I'm going to fuck all you up. <laughs> and the aliens concur. They're saying, yes, we know that. He wants to hurt somebody. So eventually, <clears throat> John kind of sees this whole thing happening to all of his friends. And the experience was so palpable that John had to stop. And like I said, this took multiple sessions. But once he was back in the saddle, John was able to put more of the pieces of the puzzle together, stating... 
I knew they were going to continue with their experiments. A lot of it is about emotions. They want to know about emotions, feelings, the human species itself. Yeah, and Melinda is also there calming people down. And it's as if the greys are using the abductees with the most seniority, the most seasoned experiencers, to keep the rest of the group calm. This whole scenario, if true, is so obviously fucked up, right? It's no wonder these people form support groups. And in fact, John says he and Melinda have formed this almost psychic bond where one will call the, the other when they sense that they're thinking about them. John then reveals a couple of other events that happened on the ship. Okay, so one, he describes that he and the others were put into these... Riley, this is, this is again, in some real high strangeness shit. All right. They're put into these rectangular tanks that fill up with this breathable liquid gel. Again, we're getting into some goop. And he claims that the oxygen from the gel gets absorbed through the skin. And then you exhale through your nose, but never need to inhale. After doing this for a few minutes, the tanks will drain, and then he describes that these blow dryers pop out and dry you off like something from an automatic car wash. And he explains that this is a procedure that's happened to him more than once. There's so much gelatinous, so just like lots of gelatinous substances and membranes wrapping around these people (laughs) in this story. Well, maybe that was something that they needed to put on him uh, because next thing he knows, John's taken into some sort of reality chamber, almost like the holodeck from Star Trek, where once inside, the occupant is transported to an alternate future timeline of reality. Quote, I was there. It was something to step into, and it's like everything is real. It's not a visual thing. I'm there. Another reality that you can step through and step out of like a, like a dimensional thing. Now, inside this chamber of reality, John experiences devastating explosions, raining fireballs from the heavens, crashing down upon the earth, destroying everything in their path. A city turned to ashes. Basically, our demise, if the human race doesn't get our shit together. When John asked, why are you showing me this? The beings reply, We have shown this to many for the reasons you see. This has happened before on your precious planet, but not like this, in another way to make change, and this will make change again. By this time, John's lip is quivering, wondering how in the hell he's supposed to make such a change to save planet Earth, to which they say, We show a lot of people and we try to alter a change in their minds for the possibility. It is not determined. Thank God, John thinks, there's still time to make change. Oh, that's just something we show you to freak you out. It's fine. (laughs) We're just fucking with you. (laughs) Hey, guys, I got to take a quick 10-1. Can we hold real quick? I have to pee so bad. Oh, so bad. Okay, all right. Okay, we're almost done, Riley. I swear, we're almost done. I I, I believe you. All right, stand by. 
So, Bryce, that's a lot. That was a yeah. lot. That was a lot. Yeah. Uh, Riley, is that a lot? Seems like a lot, right? It's a lot. It's definitely it's definitely a lot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I just want to know what happened after this event went down. Now, most of these people didn't recover these memories for a while. Yeah, that's that's right. So <clears throat> shortly after that UFO convention, Alice, the first abductee that we discussed, she returned home from Coronado and <clears throat> she actually noticed a strange, shiny area on her left shin. Yes. If you recall, Riley, Alice described the Greys sticking her leg with a big needle on that f- first Friday night. Remember? That's right. She not only recalls that, but she... She recalls finding the strange area. Uh, I'm sorry. She not only recalls finding the strange area, but a voice in her head spoke to her saying, check your leg. And that's when she discovered a kidney bean shaped intrusion on her left skin. So she contacts Yvonne, who refers Alice to Thousand Oaks podiatrist and soon to be alien implant removal specialist. Drum roll, please. Dr. Roger Lear. Mm-hmm. He'll be a podiatrist. <laughs> you have a talent for removing small alien implants and sending them off to labs. <laughs> a podiatrist by training, Dr. Lear had become increasingly involved with his local branch of the Mutual UFO Network. And while attending one of its conferences in 1995, he was presented with several foot x-rays from a woman who believed herself to be an abductee. Despite Lear's professed skepticism, the scans did indicate that there was something in her big toe. And to appease his own curiosity, he offered to operate on her free of charge. On August 19, 1995, he extracted two very small foreign objects from the patient, each one metallic in appearance. Now, the composition of meteors came up in the final laboratory report, and that convinced Lear that they had to be extraterrestrial in origin. Quote, my patient sure hasn't been stepping on any meteors, he told reporters. Back to Alice. Intrigued, Roger agreed to help her. He noted that Alice had approximately a three to four millimeter oval-shaped lesion on the front calf of the left leg and was slightly pinkish in discoloration. Indicative of typified marks seen in abduction patients colloquial, colloquially categorized as a scoop mark. He proceeded to x-ray Alice's shin and indeed noticed something under it. Alice wanted it out, so much so that it made her sick to think about it. Dr. Lear agreed and removed the object, a small BB-sized whitish-gray ball that was extracted on May 18, 1996 and immediately sent to various labs for a battery of tests. The findings are significant. (laughs) Bryce, your throat clearings have become a BCC staple. Oh, my God. (laughs) What you don't know is that sometimes I'll I'll mute the uh, Zencaster. Oh, I do that. Hit him, but I don't know. All those years of smoking that good, good Sunny Chiba. Anyway. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Any any man who's against a woman should be locked up. (laughs) I've been taken to the fuck room once or twice in my life. And no objections uttered from my mouth. Uh, (laughs) The findings are significant. 
in regards to Alice's skin sample under microscopic diagnosis, they found fibrosis with solar elastosis, which in case you didn't know, is the overexposure of skin to large amounts of ultraviolet in a relatively small area of the body, which is indicative that something created this overexposure to ultraviolet light, possibly an instrument which can scoop out a small segment of the superficial epidermis, uh, which are the outer layers of the skin, and then seal the wound with some sort of ultraviolet gun. In other words, Ray, fucking aliens, people. Come on. Roger Lear, I think it's important in this case, as far as Alice is concerned, and should be noted that two surgeries were done on that same day. The other one was on another female of approximately Alice's age. She also had a scoop mark in the exact same place that Alice had, and she also had a little white grayish ball that was removed at the same time that we removed the superficial lesion too. I don't have an explanation for it. Maybe the ETs who were messing with the one were also involved with the other. Now, as far as the object taken from Alice's shin, it was delivered to Earth and Physical Science Lab at the University of Texas at San Antonio for analysis by X-ray diffraction. The results of the XRD analysis indicated that the material which the object is composed is amorphous and has no crystalline structure and therefore no ordered arrangement of atoms or ions, which is highly unusual, seeing as the vast majority of common substance have some trace of crystalline structure. All told, Dr. Lear and his team at ANS Research performed performed 17 surgeries for removal of objects from alleged alien abductees suspected of being alien implants. The implants have undergone rigorous examinations by both biological and metallurgical metallurgical scientists associated with some of the world's most prestigious labs, the finding of which are quite remarkable and shocking to say the least. To learn more about Dr. Roger Lear and his work removing alien implants, check out Bigfoot Collectors Club episode number seven, The Purple Guy with Dave Keith. Oh, shout out W. Dave Keith. What up, Dave Keith? And what about President Clinton's role in the events that took place over the weekend of March 26th and 27th, 1994? Yeah. What about well, Wild Bill? Well, according to Eve, Yvonne Smith, Yvonne Smith, a secret inside source that she cannot divulge, told her that Bill Clinton and some Secret Service members were in fact, abducted as well. What? <laughs> Her source stated unequivocally, two of the president's men went missing. President Clinton and his two men were taken, along with the 12 Ciro members. That's right. Yvonne then asked her secret source if any of the other abductees bore witness to President William Jefferson Clinton aboard the ship, to which she was told no. The president and his two Secret Service agents were escorted to a different part of the ship, away from the others who were undergoing a variety of procedures. Pretty convenient, I suppose. But perhaps, Riley, just perhaps, the president and his men met with some ascendancy on board for a heart-to-heart about the importance of divulging the reality of an extraterrestrial presence engaging citizens of planet Earth. Eh, this might explain why both Bill and Hillary seem to share a very 
vested interest in the UFO phenomenon moving forward from that point in time. 13 months later, after the Triad UFO conference on April 17, 1995, President Bill Clinton signed executive order number 1929. Damn you, Bryce. <laughs> executive order 66, which created new standards for the process of identifying and protecting classified information. I'm not, I'm going to walk that back. I'm not look, Bill Clinton is a troubling man. And I know that we're going to learn more troubling things about him, but he's not Senator Palpatine. This was executive order one, two, nine, five, eight, which created new standards for the process of identifying and protecting classified information and led to an unprecedented effort to declassify millions of pages from the U.S. diplomatic and national security history, yeah. setting the foundation for further UFO-related dumps that are splashing the headlines today. Jesus, Bryce, what I'm reading something that Bryce wrote, and that <laughs> what setting the dumps. foundation for further UFO-related dumps that are That's splashing the headlines. Yeah. That's dumps disgusting. Are <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> also, I want our listeners I to know. <laughs> I want boxers. Subconscious writing is what that is. I <laughs> I don't give a. F- I just want everybody to know. I don't give a fuck about Bill Clinton. Okay, he's a pig. All right, we're gonna find <sighs> weird shit. I'm sure. Uh, oh fuck, my fuck god. Him. Fuck him. Do you, the do you, the fuck real him. question is: Do you think that he hit the the? Uh, alien fuck room when he was on the <laughs> oh, hold on. he was on the ship Here's a really, really yeah. nice ship you mind if I yeah, just hit that really alien, nice. I hear you got an alien fuck room up here well, I heard that it. there was something going on in this room over here oh well, you oh, mean to tell God. me Gary's already left never mind <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with oh, that alien I did not have sexual <laughs> relations have those, with uh, Gary Fuck holidays. I'd love to like I got a list with me. I'd love to bang some out. Um, you know, it's no secret, as we've discussed, the Clintons have had a long interest and fascination with the subject of UFOs. In fact, in nineteen ninety-five, Lawrence Rockefeller, famed oil air and aerospace tycoon, invited Hillary to his Wyoming ranch. Known in some circles as the Mystic Rockefeller, Lawrence was heavily into UFOs and ETs. Lawrence invited Hillary to his ranch for a private meeting on UFOs and government disclosure. And that's when he gave her the book, Are We Alone, as a gift. It had just been published. Hillary then carried the UFO ET book and Rockefeller's message straight back to President Clinton at the White House. This way, you see, Rockefeller's interest in UFOs was conveyed to the president while the White House was able to maintain public distance and plausible deniability. Riley, did you know we were going to get into the Rockefellers and the Clintons tonight? I mean, I know. Why not? I, why? Always, always, why does everything in this subject end It there all eventually? wraps up eventually. in uh, anti-Semitism and liberal yeah. fear. Again, I think Bill Clinton's probably a shitty guy. Guys, don't come at me. He sucks. Um, I would disagree with that. Yeah, there's moments. Yeah, I mean, come on. He's, he's a flawed human. All humans are flawed. Yeah, all record, humans are flawed, bro. His yeah. Me Too track record is uh, very bad. Um, yeah. All right. 
Uh, some other things too. But you know, yeah, it's hard being bad, the president, whatever. guys. I'm just saying we're uh, like reality. We're a sliding scale of possibilities. Okay. I'm yeah. just saying, don't give me those one star reviews. God damn it. You can't you can't even try oh, to you make can't them happy on either side. It's never gonna I mean, work. Dirt, we just, I'm taking just, a you person. You're shooting like yourself feet. in the foot. Both feet, either way. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Whatever. Look, the nineties were bad and great. The night but yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, such is life. But also so good. Like that's the thing. This thing happened in like the ten years of just like the best time we uh we ever had as nerds the x-files was on tv and the friends were just getting to know one another (laughs) oh my god it was an innocent time in many ways claire danes uh... was angela chase and it's still possible that i can marry her let's bring this puppy home 90s okay all right so bryce what conclusions can we draw, if any, from the accounts sure. described by these individuals? Well, Michael, thanks to the hard work of researcher Yvonne Smith, we can only conclude that what took place at the Hotel Del Coronado on the weekend of March 26th and 27th, 1994, was nothing short of a grand conspiracy coordinated by a group of extra-dimensional entities known to us as the Greys. A plot that can never be fully revealed because we just don't know enough about the motivations and larger (laughs) plans of these entities. That being said, with the details that have come forward through Yvonne's regression sessions with attendees of the UFO conference, we would be hard-pressed to deny the implications that these entities are interested in some sort of cross-breeding or hybridization program, all while keeping tabs on their human donors. And for better or worse, guys, these alien greys also seem to have a direct interest in the survival of our species, warning us that should we continue our ways of mismanagement of natural resources, our bent on materialism, and our continuous obsession with war and division, that we will surely see the end of our days on planet Earth. Or as John, a multiple abductee, put it, I get the impression they show the apocalypse to a lot of people to let us know that we are heading on a path of destruction and we might need to be eliminated. And that, Riley and listeners, is the story of the Coronado mass abduction event. What a fucking crown jewel. Wow. In the in the crown of UFO, you know, Riley, <laughs> I'm with you. It was a good analogy. Okay, okay. Riley, uh, what the hell is that? Uh, Where uh, are you at now? We just fucking strapped that cum tube across your dick and made you what spew the truth. <laughs> oh my. God. I'm you saying are- we we assaulted you with the truth. Talk about a sliding scale, my God! Oh my God, I love it. God, I love you. Oh, you gotta love him. Chef's gotta kiss. love him. Yeah. yeah. What you do you took, think, Riley? Yeah, you uh, you took took my brain straight to the alien fuck room there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, first of all, well told, well researched, you guys. Wow. 
I mean, and also well acted. That was uh, this was quite fun for me. I mean, honestly, Bryce, that uh, performance earlier was honestly really touching. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, okay, here's my fundamental question with all yes hybrid program thing. Yes, wouldn't you assume that these creatures whatever they are these interdimensional beings which is what i'm leaning toward have like a strong command of genetics yes so then like why all the tubes and uh semen samples and well like making people have sex like i guess that the it's like a fantastic planet kind of vibe so, where they're yes, studying yes, so, them yes or? so so here uh that is actually an amazing question it's just like you have the same questions I had while watching Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, which is why are we having a live dinosaur auction when these black market sellers have uh, dinosaur DNA they can sell? They don't need to sell the fucking dinosaurs, right? Right, right. It exactly. It doesn't make sense it really doesn't even if you factor in all this stuff of it's a human hybrid alien thing so here's here's what i think it is i don't think it's actually scientific newsflash bcc newsflash this i think traces back to the jacques valet fairy realm intermingling with the human realm, which is the fairy realm is the spirit realm. It is dematerialized or it is unmaterial. It is ethereal, right? And we are the material realm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in a, in fairy lore, and in alien lore, the f- the the spirit realm or the 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 realm of the Hilder folk or the the other world doesn't quite compute with our third dimensional realm. And whatever this intelligence is, whether they be from the realm of dreams or the realm of the Fae or another dimension, they are trying to bridge the two worlds. And the way they, according to legend, see that as happening is if they can create a perfect melding of a human and spiritual being into one. Mm. And whatever is going on, they're not, it's not working, okay? When we talk about 2012 and Quetzalcoatl, the plumed serpent, that is a, a snake, a ground dweller, that is that, i.e., a, a creature of the material world, us, that is given wings and given air and been able to fly which it represents the air world, the spirit realm, the heavenly realm, right? Mm -hmm. So even in the 2012 Quetzalcoatl shit, 
from the Mayan calendar 10 years ago. There's this idea of the spirit realm and the material realm combining into one. When you when you grow up in Kansas and go to Presbyterian church, they teach you uh, that heaven will be on earth one day where the angels and men will coexist. Again, heavenly realm, material realm, right? Right. Now, <laughs> this could all be fucking symbolic dream, hypnosis, weird fucking shit. This could also be something that Jacques Vallée has been saying, which is there is a spiritual, and I would I would go as even further to argue guests and friends like Adela Levine have been saying that there is a spiritual realm just outside our reach that is trying to communicate with us. And I would say, based on a story like this, that the greys are actually from that realm, not another planet. Now, other alien abduction stories will say, no, they're from Zeta Reticuli or the Andromeda Belt, whatever. Fuck you. But maybe (laughs) these creatures are trying to bridge the gap and create biological beings that can exist and thrive between our dimension and the spirit realm. Ultimately that would defeat death, right? That would, that would in, in in the idea that maybe we die and our souls go over to the spirit realm. Well, if we can combine a ghost or an alien or ethereal being with a material being, it might bridge those two worlds. Mm. That's pretty cool. Death right? Walker. I mean, this is, fu- yes. Well, here's, okay, Walker wait, here's, here's, that's here's going on the album. Is, I'm writing that down. This is everything you're saying, I think applies to the other kind of like thought I have about this, which is that like, it, what, if, what if this whole thing is just like AI, trying to re-synthesize itself back into like physical biology yes and so yes. every time you're saying the spirit realm we're actually talking about this um this like uh you know consciousness that's yes. been created by an advanced society that's also yes travels also possible yeah so i mean maybe that's this whole thing is uh you know just like this the singularity trying to happen on earth be- because the grays seem to be both ai and spiritual and fey all in one, right? They all seem to exist in this other pocket realm that humans can tap into but don't have command over. And, you know, the internet to me is a spiritual realm. It might oh, as yeah. well be at this point, it's clearly. The internet from this point forward is going to be the place where all belief systems are stemmed from. Well, it's also going to be the place where we birth a literal god. Like AI is going to come from the internet. So all gods are going to come from bits and, you know, bits, you know, zeros and ones. And 
may already and be that, there too. Not, and, and, then, and then, oh no, now we're back into that binary system that I said that we weren't part of. But I'm saying like new cults are being birthed on uh, online, like the QAnon shit. Uh, and I, I don't feel like this is getting political. I'm just saying uh, it came from online. So there, there, there is this stuff that exists in this interspace that cut back to 20 years ago. The only way you could tap into that truly was if a fucking alien gray came down and got you. And now the grace can just fucking get you if, when you log into Facebook. <laughs> well, just the internet as a whole too is like, I actually wrote my senior thesis in college about this, but it's a, uh, Oh, Berkeley it's, boys. It's baby. the, uh, it's like the first real manifestation of the human mind. Like it's mm. a collective project <laughs> as a species that we're doing. That is like, it really does represent, like the mind like every thought you could possibly have and everyone's contributing to it and building this thing and like what better place to start a model for well and it's a place where we can share all information just like we're doing right now bad or good and we it's our job like in this episode to say we're passing this information along some of it might be dead on and some of it might be bad. But where I tend to go is, hey, I like these stories. I'm not t- I'm not past personally, I'm not saying believe any of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, belief is the enemy, John Keel. But Look, I, oh, but ahead. it does, but Bryce, it does make me take a real good look at reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And make me really think maybe there are fucking alien graves coming down and doing this shit. If all well, these people can experience this and have share physical evidence. No, that's that's why. I and get, coupled uh, with what we just talked about in the fact that there are these ships flying around well, that we don't this, know. This, what is, they this are. is why I get so upset. And I got upset earlier when. When when you sort of like say a remark that this could just be some you know sexual transgressions taking place at a young age manifesting into these strange abduction scenarios, but that does happen. But that's well, wait, let him finish his thought. Yeah, yeah. but I just I don't I don't I don't believe that. I believe that these experience that when you read these transcripts and you can, I recommend that you go get this book. You know. A lot of people think that, you know, these regression sessions, the the person regressing sort of leads the witness to these to these alien ideas and these spaceship ideas. You can read these transcripts directly from this book and find out right away. Yvonne is leading these witnesses nowhere. If she says anything, it's like, you're okay. You're clear. You see things clearly. You're here. What do you see? You know what I mean? She's not leading these people anywhere. And And for them to have these types of stories, I believe something like what they experienced happened. Whether it's on this plane of reality or another plane of reality, I believe it happened as they say it did. Now, I I, I both – I jive both with what you both are saying. I think there's a lot of truth to a lot of that. I think we're missing something and and that abductee John happened upon it. it. There's a component. That has something to do with emotion, with with this sort of mm. humanistic energy of our 
of our feelings, of our of our deep emotions that whether these grays drone or biological in nature are trying to tap into, they're trying to, you know, I don't know what it is, but, and if it is some sort of AI similarity, perhaps they're trying to figure out in order to become ultimate singularity, you know, they need to have this, you know, for lack of a better word, godlike ability to emote, you know, to, to have this human experience, there's some, there seems to be something so, again, for lack of a better word, godly about this human experience. You know, they talk about it in Greek mythology, how all the gods, they loved being gods, but God, if they could just get back to earth and feel that physicalness, you know, that that real thing that only the humans had, you know, right. and it's like, you know, perhaps it's just... As simple as, you know, and if they are from outer space and extraterrestrial, then it, you know, they're just trying to tap into what this specialness is that, that, that we humans have. But I like, I, I like that. I yeah. like though with the, uh, with, if it is AI, it would be like, it have to move beyond logic, you yeah. know, like into the realm of emotion. And so maybe that's, that, that's, uh, because that's a great re- concept. I mean, cause true chaos can really only come from emotion, right? I mean, true chaos can't come from from mathematical ones and twos in binary, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't doesn't the you know, <laughs> I the, don't know. the trickster I, the trickster eight ball that gets thrown in there have to come from no from I something actually, completely Bryce, outside of itself? Bryce, I actually disagree with you. I think that most evil in this world is rooted by binary thinking. Well, he didn't say evil, he said chaos. Well, chaos, okay. But I'm saying Different. like Different uh yeah i I think of chaos as 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 the unknown it's that specialness that 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 us humans have you know that you can give us a predicted out scenario and yet some way we might find a way to to work ourselves out of it and and and, and an option that wasn't this is the problem that i have with this whole scenario right which is i if that's the case we are currently in 2021 not proving the human condition to be so fucking great because we are, you know, creating chaos amongst ourselves, let alone, you know, like why yeah, but would, you know, why, would say, but, but Bryce, Bryce, it's Bryce, easy Bryce, to but, say the world no, wait, is a wait, mess. You know, no, it's really let me, easy to say that, but yeah. we've come a long way and suffering oh, has diminished drastically. Oh, oh no, People, no, 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 no. You know no. what I'm saying? So we're don't, getting there. Don't get Better me angels wrong. Better of our nature. Pinkerton. Yeah. Great book about that. Don't get me wrong. I completely agree with you. I think that we are all, I think, and guys, I never knew we would go here tonight, but I know. I, How did I, we get I, here from like no, Dick Marks in the great. public this is, bathroom? This is, this is great, guys. Rooms. Also, can can you come over and look at my penis? But um, <laughs> meet you at Anderson's. <laughs> I, I I do think that we. I do think society overall slug, slogs towards progressive progressivism, not in a political way, but I think that we tend to open our minds the further we go along but i don't think that we are right now in this moment in time especially i actually think we're in a crisis of conflict and saying oh humans aren't really all that like enlightened 
You know what I mean? And and this makes me think what the aliens were trying to show to Jesse or John is like, you guys can go two ways here. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can lean on your tribal warring weird ways or you can lean on your let's all accept one another weird ways and one of those weird both are weird ways and one is constructive and the other is destructive well there there does seem to be an urgency and we do seem to have missed maybe a possible few benchmarks of of a civilized society moving into a, a, a star faring species, which is what I think our destiny is, you yeah. know? So perhaps it, it, it's not hard for me to fathom that, that we're being, you know, just sort of led down a, a narrow path, you know, and, and they keep us on track, whatever that means. I don't know, but there's well, a lot, there's yeah. so much we'll never know. We can only, we can only guess at it, you know? Yeah, and we do have to address our self-destructive tendencies, at, like yes. glo- globally, or, or we are, yeah. like especially as it as it uh, pertains to you know our environment and our resources, yeah. or we are like truly colossally fucked. Don't so. they say it's the darkest before the light, though? You know. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's almost <laughs> it on. Keeps then. getting darker, <laughs> so it must get lighter real soon. Yeah, I, yeah. I love all this, but can we get back to that fuck room, please? <laughs> yes, Bryce. <laughs> again, the fuck room. I mean, yes, yeah, save, save the planet, whatever. Bill, I mean, Bryce, this is all, this not is all, this is all no, great, and I love it. Not all. a fun I love, place. I like what you say, and I like what you yeah. say, but yeah. man, I want to get to that holodeck. Fuck. No, room. it's not fun. <laughs> And also, the holodeck isn't fun. It only shows you alternate realities where shit goes bad. And that's the other thing. The aliens did say, you guys can still pull yourself out of this. Yes. But they're just trying to show us, like, it can go bad. All right, everybody. I think this has been a momentous episode in the show. (laughs) I told you it was going to be. I thought this would be a 45-minute episode, and it turned out to be a five-hour episode. Um, <laughs> you know what? This is Summer Road Trip Podcast, though. If you're, yeah. if you're, if you're road tripping yeah. and enjoying this, we love it. We appreciate you. We do appreciate you. Um, boys, 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 before we go, anything to plug? Uh, we just put out a an acoustic version of Mango <gasps> that I, I shot with my friend Patrick, oh, who's a so DP good. I work with a lot, Patrick Chervis. Um, and it was really fun. We did it on a tennis court. Yeah, uh, there's, so there's horns. Good. It's really fun. It's out on uh, Flood Magazine. Put it out. So <sighs> look up. I don't know Grace Mitchell Mango Acoustic Flood yeah. would probably get you there. Yeah. So good. Check it out. It was Guys, really fun. All versions of Mango are fucking great. And that oh, you guys are the best acoustic version that Riley shot. With Grace is so good. Love it, man. Bryce. Hey, we have some great merch. I mean, I don't want to plug merch, but yeah, man, some of those shirts. I mean, I just made an order and I'm feeling so good about it. Like, I just, I don't know. If you like the podcast and, and you love great design, then then check out our merch shop. If you haven't already, you can find it in the link tree at our Instagram um, or just go to our campfire media website and uh, find it there. But man, we have the we, we have the ultimate champion ET. We have wet hot alien summer. Two, I was summer wearing the ultimate champion t shirt all day so yesterday, good. and it was delicious. Michael, anything to plug? Yeah, actually, uh, thank you for asking, Bryce. Uh, 
I'm in a movie on Netflix called Good on Paper, directed Woo! by great, past too. guest Kimmy Gatewood and starring future guest Eliza Schlesinger. Um, I was so happy to be a part of this movie. I'm not a major role, but I show up uh, towards the end of the third act. You're I'll great. Stick around and watch it. Uh, Riley, you watched the movie? I did. I really enjoyed it. It's funny. It's uh, it's kind of like everything you want out of that style of movie. Like, like it's like kind of you know like the rom com, but like real and funny and with some heart and and uh, it like just a little bit fucked up. Like I, I, you know, it's great. It's just really good. It was a great movie, and you're great. You, yeah, you, you shine in it, my friend. Oh, well, I won't thanks. Say that. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. I'm a, a heavy plot device, but I felt like I you move it right along though. <laughs> yeah, keep the pages turning. That's my job. All right, guys, uh, we love you. Thanks for supporting the show. No new episode next week. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Uh, Keep an eye out for a fun little drop next week. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.